You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. I hope you are warm. It is a frigid, an absolute bone-chilling day here in New York City. I think it's like 26 Fahrenheit. And it's even colder, colder up north in uh, in the Great White North in Canada, of course, home to UFC 297. Specifically, it is the T dot, the six Toronto hosting its first UFC pay per view since December of 2019. So it has been quite some time. It was cold then; it's cold now. Uh, I hope you're in some part of the world that it is not cold. And if you are perhaps snowed in. On this beautiful Wednesday, I hope you are able to spend some time with us. What better way than talking about a little MMA, a little combat sports, answering your questions on this fine, fine Wednesday. And you know we like to shoot on Wednesdays. And Lord knows we have a lot to discuss. A lot has happened since we last spoke on Monday, jetted home after the show. It was uh, MLK Day here in New York, so not a lot of traffic. Of course, not just here in New York, but all over the country, uh, celebrating and honoring the life of the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, not a lot of people working on that particular Monday. So I was able to fly home, got there just in time for the first touchdown by your Buffalo Bills. Saw the next one, the next one. And uh, we were on our way to defeating the Steelers, setting up the big showdown against Kansas City this Sunday. So we're in a good mood over here. We're feeling good. Uh, Nottingham Forest kicking off in about 90 minutes time against Blackpool. FA Cup. Let's go, boys. A lot of drama surrounding them right now. Rules, violations, potentially docking points. Some people asking me, will you still be a fan? For life. Do you understand what for life means? For life. For life. Okay? We have chosen the squad as our own. We have fallen in love with them. We ain't going anywhere, and we think that we are going to be just fine. So uh, excited about today and excited about the future with the Reds. Now, a lot has happened since we last spoke as far as MMA is concerned. I know a lot of you don't care about those other things, but I did have to talk about them right off the top. Um, let me get into some of those things. And we have a great show and a great 
lineup of guests. And after today's show, I'm off to Puerto Rico. Has anyone been to Puerto Rico over there? Anyone? Not I. Guess not. You I speak? have. You have? <clears throat> Very young. Okay. Very young, though. San Juan? Yeah, I'm talking. San Juan? San Juan. Yes, uh, I did go to San I'd love Juan. to go one day. Uh, it's going to be quite Maybe a scene. Jake Paul fight. I'm going to do the whole press conference in Spanish. Okay. Eh, señores y señores, me llamo Ariel Elwani. Es, Not bad. Uh, yes. Amanda this is Serrano. good so far. Uh, yeah. Estudio uh, mucho I remember. in uh, 2024. Sí, sí. Me gusta bailar. Me gusta cantar. Sí, Eric. Adios, no, I was just going to say the heat, the heat was sweltering. That was what I remember. Just, you know, dress appropriately. Uh, but a beautiful place. Oh, yeah. Pretty much the uh, polar opposite to what we're experiencing here. So, um, yes, looking forward to that very much. As always, guys, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, and in particular, DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season. With the code DMMAR, because life's more fun when you're in on the action, DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem called 100Gambler. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com. For details, back into the show, uh, we'll get the uh, boys' picks for this weekend. We're also going to have Juliana Pena join us in the first hour to get her pick, but we'll wait for theirs on the back end. We'll answer your questions as we like to do on Wednesdays, uh, some of that in the first few minutes of the program as well. Prior to that, we'll be joined by Jim Miller. You may have heard Jim Miller fighting at UFC 300. It is confirmed against, against Bobby Green. That's Shout the out. fight that was announced last night by Dana White. Uh, we will get his first thoughts on all of that. Prior to that, we'll be joined by Rose Namajunas. We found out around this time last week that she, in fact, is returning in March at 125. So she's staying at Flyway, going up against Manda Hibas at a uh, UFC Apex event. So we'll talk to Thug Rose. Been a while since we had her on the program. Eric Nixick is already in Frigid Toronto with his guy, Sean Strickland. One half of the main event on Saturday, UFC 297, middleweight champion, first defense for Deshaun. And uh, Eric Nixick going to join us to, of course, talk about that. And his guy, Francis Ngannou, getting the AJ fight. And what a great chat with Anthony Joshua on Monday. Still buzzing from that chat. Appreciate all the nice feedback. It was really a lot of fun. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you did as well. And hopefully we could do another one in person with AJ down the line. Don Davis, the... Founder of the Professional Fighters League, he's going to join us. They had massive news break yesterday as well. More on that in a moment. And Juliana Pena, like I said, going to stop by in about 15 minutes. So because Juliana's stopping by in 15, I want to get in some chatter about yesterday's news. And there was a lot of news that came out yesterday pertaining to 300, pertaining to the UFC in Saudi Arabia, pertaining to the big PFL Bellator Super card. So without further ado, time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time. It's time. Yeah, no for time a good for dilly dallying. Need to get into fans. it. And in fact, should I? Ladies and gentlemen, no, no. The moment has arrived to hear from the no, man no, himself, this is like I like Ariel to talk. Helwani. Was that? I hope that was on air. From the box it was. Studios that, in that was not. New York City. This is. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is part of the thing. You and talk now, over the intro. That's what the pros do. Yeah, but try not to Get say things like. On your feet it's not because dilly here he is. Yeah, no dilly dallying at the top. Helwani. You know, usually we talk about this. We talk about that. The weather. 
try not to say things. I still don't know if you're on air or off air. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I did not drive myself in, so uh, I got to moderate the questions. I'm acting these days as interim moderator until we uh, you know, figure everything out. Uh, so I was able to check out the questions, and there were a litany of great ones. I've got a ton what, here. I don't know. What is there to figure out with them moderating? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. Wow. Wow. I mean, this feels like this feels like Frank's being fired right now no, I, from his moderation job. No, I mean, two weeks in a row, I just was like, wow. Oh, all right. Wow. All right. No, yesterday I was like, you want to do it? He's like, no, you should Moderator do it. I want it. He said, he said, uh, because you have a hard out, you should probably do it. And in my mind, I was like, what does the hard out have to do with me moderating? But fine, no, it's totally fine. Right. Why did you ask? So is this actually? This feels like Frank quitting then. It felt like he wanted me to relieve him of his duties. Also, oh, this is wow. this is the dilly dallying that I was referring oh, to. I you see, know, yeah. like, hey, here we go. Dilly this was actually question number one that I would have picked. Um, here we go. Adriano's up first. Sorry, me again. He says, and he said this or wrote this at five twenty one a.m. because he wrote another question earlier. See, I know see, these are things that I know when I'm moderate. That's all. Was Gaethje Max? The nugget you heard about. So, yes, uh, thank you for the hot tag, Adriano. We found out last night not only Jim Miller versus Bobby Green at UFC 300, but we also found out BMF title on the line, Jim Miller. No, not Jim Miller. Just kidding. Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway at 155 pounds. And I think the general reaction to this was quite positive. People like this. I feel like this is one of the first fights that was announced Four three hundred, where it was a lot of positivity, positivity, or perhaps even unanimous positivity, which I think is interesting. And I have some thoughts, but to answer the question, no, not the rabbit that I heard about or nugget, as Adriano said. We move along. Pan. Hey, Ariel and crew, as you are reading this, me and my dog are running 12 miles along the Sacramento River. By the way, he posted this at 1.23 a.m. He's running 12 miles at 1.23 a.m., which I guess in Sacramento is 10.23. As you're reading this. Okay, so you think he did it? Oh, maybe he's doing, maybe he's running right now? Yeah, you just read it. Yeah. Well, maybe he thinks I'm reading it in real time. These are where the moderator notes. Yeah, really <laughs> you are you are reading it in real time. No, no, no. When he posted it at one twenty three a.m. No, Eastern, of course not. No, no, no. I think he expected around around right, this fine. time. Thanks for the awesome broadcast, boys. Am I the only one who doesn't want to see Justin versus Max? I was in Vegas watching Volk beat Max into a pulp. It was what it was. I love Blessed and have no interest in watching him get leg kicked into oblivion. Justin Gaethje is too big and has already waste to fan faves like. El Kukui and Michael Chandler would hate to see this as a downward spiral for Max. Ohana means family. Will somebody please think of the children? Simpsons reference. I love it. So I like this question very much. Because can I be... Look, I think I've been... And of course, this is going to get spun. I think I've been very positive towards all the matchups at UFC 300. Can I be the guy who says, I don't actually like this? And I actually don't think it makes sense. And I actually think if we were living in a world where UFC 300 wasn't a thing and wasn't coming up in April and they needed some high-profile names and bangers to put on the card, this fight doesn't happen. If I'm Max Holloway, I've got the featherweight title fight happening in a month. 
And there's a very good chance Ilya Tapuria wins that fight. He's an incredible fighter. Folks coming off a knockout loss. There's a lot going in his favor. Ilya wins. You're getting Ilya versus Max for the featherweight title. So you're that close to recapturing the belt that was once yours for so long. You take this fight, this derails everything. Of course, the last time we saw him fight at 155 produced a great fight, but it was clear to me and the world, and I think Max, because he never stayed, that 155 wasn't his weight class. Okay, both these guys on paper are allergic to boring fights. They have produced time and again for the UFC. They never don't produce, even in losses, they produce. So it's fun, it's exciting, but... I have an issue with a guy being that close to the featherweight title and another guy being that close to the lightweight title, Issam Akhachev saying, this is my next opponent, and both of them taking this fight in April for a fictitious belt. Fun, great, it's all well and good, but the BMF title doesn't mean anything in the end. They are that close to realizing dreams or re-realizing dreams. The timing is suspect, the weight class is suspect, and perhaps like... The weirdest thing of all for me is it's a fun sort of dream matchup, but I don't believe this fight happens if 300 wasn't a thing. And that means we're probably getting at least two, most likely three. They never do four title fights on a card. We've got one, Zhang Wei Li versus Yan Shanan. This would be the second because it's a 25-minute fight. What's the third? It's either Leon Bilal or they've got something completely different. Um, I don't know. I, it, the, both of them were right there for the belt, and this derails it. Again, in a vacuum, is it fun? Yes. But from a sort of like sporting championship accomplishment standpoint, makes little sense. Now, I dug around, and what I was told was Max Holloway really wanted to be on UFC 300, and this meant a lot to him. He's been in the UFC for so long. He deserves to be on the card. He's one of the most popular fighters on the card. But to me, this feels like a fight that was thrown together to just say, like, look at this fight that we got, as opposed to a fight that, like, truly made sense. Dustin and and uh, and Gaethje made sense. Masvidal and Diaz made sense. Those are the previous two BMF title fights. Um, Diaz and Pettis made sense. That's when the belt was really created. This one, to me, it doesn't feel like the stars were aligning or needed to align for them to be fighting each other. And so I agree with Pan when he says, yeah, cool, everyone going crazy, but not really what I had in mind. Now, I think at least one of you disagrees with me. I think GC loves this fight, right? Yeah, love it. Tell me what. I mean, tell me what. what. I mean, everything you're saying makes sense. Like, yeah, the fight itself doesn't really make sense. It is just for a BMF title. Both of these guys are close to the title in their respective weight classes, the actual title. But the fight itself, you're asking me if I love the fight. I do love the fight. I'm seeing everyone saying that Max's chin is going to get cooked. I, 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 Until proven otherwise, he has got one of the greatest chins uh, of all time. And like you said, like, like you began uh, your monologue with, these guys are allergic to boring fights. I, I just don't see a world where this is not a fun fight. Uh, I love that it's five rounds. I, I think it's going to be fireworks, and I think it's a great addition to the card. I get everything you're saying, but the fight itself, I, I really can't wait for. I guess it's not up to us to worry about the ramifications and all that, but both these guys were, for all intents and purposes, next. They were next. Maybe. Maybe. Like, if Volk wins, is, is Max getting another title shot? 
Okay. Probably not. Fair point. Fair point. But Gaethje, yeah. worth waiting that out? I don't know. But maybe but here he- we go. Here's here's another positive. You know, I got the BMF shirt on. You know, we love yeah, baby. around these parts. We got the BMF shirt on. Uh, now we get to hook the BMF title, potentially to a title after this. You know, let's say Gaethje wins. He retains the BMF. Then he fights Islam next. Now, now we got two belts on the line in a single fight. Max wins, goes down, fight goes down and fights Elia. Now it's BMF and normal title on the line. So we're getting, so the, some, we're getting some validity here. Oh, look at the that. old BMF title, baby. I mean, you gotta love it when the BMF uh, no, when silver's when, on the line. It just it just amps up the stakes. A hundred percent. And when it's when when the BMF is attached to the actual champion, that's a perfect world because for I don't know a century we were told the champion of a weight class is the actual baddest man in that we're particular get, weight class. We're getting that much closer with this fight. Now we're putting two weight classes together, which is a little bit clunky, but that's fine. <laughs> we were also told by Islam himself that Justin was next. Now who and, knows? What's and going Justin on. has also said that he did not want to do this fight. <laughs> he, in an interview, he was just like, "There's no point in doing that fight. I like it would be a great fight, but I like Max." Uh, it doesn't really make any sense, so I, I don't really want to do it. So, while I do agree with you, it doesn't really make sense. It is just the BMF title. I think the fight itself is going to be incredible. I, I just want to repeat in a in a vacuum. It's I'm fun. only focusing in the vacuum. Yeah, and and like ultimately, someone could say like, who cares about Max's career aspirations, and who cares about Justin's? But I'm just trying to take a step back and be like, every every fight on this card so far to me, makes sense, right? Like, Jan was next for Zhang, and Cody and Figgy made sense, and, I don't know, Bo is taking the next step, and Jim Miller, like, everything made sense, and this one just kind of feels like it was thrown together to pop the crowd. What do you think, Rick? I love it. I love (laughs) the fight. I agree with your points about, like, I love the fight, you know, in a vacuum. We can put that off to the side. I think most people will kind of agree on that. I'm I'm not as I'm not concerned about Max Holloway uh holding up. I think I in fact I think right now in this moment I kind of probably have him winning this fight, although that's subject to change. As far as making sense, we've just spent the last God knows how long with everybody griping and whining and complaining about Max Holloway's here at Featherweight knocking off contenders. Now he's not now this opens things up. Now mm. the the idea of Max Holloway now has options, right? Because everybody's so concerned about the fact that Max is in the way. Look at what happened to Arnold Allen. And if Ilya had fought him, look at what would have happened to him. It's That's now gone. We don't have to worry about that. And Max Holloway um, can be getting fights more frequently and fun fights that will eliminate the need for all this concern and, and having contenders for Volk. Now we'll have Max potentially... With options at 55, let's say Ilya Taporia wins at 45, Max can still potentially uh, go capture that belt. So there's 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 new options and opportunities for Max. It clears way at 45. I'm all for it. The timing of it is very weird uh, because, as you've laid out, like it would seem that Max could very easily be next and soon um, if that were to happen. Um, and it seems like uh, Justin Gaethje would have been next for Islam Makachev and soon so the timing of it is a little bit weird and i do think obviously to your point 300 is the impetus to make this fight because look at the fan reaction online and now 300 has one of those fights at least where people are like yeah this is worthy this is the one i've been waiting for um so it 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 does make less sense from a from a, a timeline and strategy perspective but from the longer broader uh term uh picture i'm down 
great fight, opens up options. Let's do it. I, I would say it uh, makes more sense in the interim, like right now, as opposed to long term. If 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 I'm looking after Max, well, but, for Max, yes, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I I've seen some people say, well, if Ilya beats Volk, they're just going to run it back. Really? Are they going to run it back? Because what if he gets knocked out? And what if his team says, like, yo, we need to chill now? You know, what if we want to take off? His his schedule has been... Fe- There's no guarantee. There's no rematch clause. So Max is ready to go. You want to go to Spain? You want to do something with Ilya? Let's go. Ilya versus Max is gigantic. But again, it's great. Ultimately, this is the most important thing. Who cares what I think? What I was told was Max wanted to fight at 300. And so he's happy. He's not being forced to do this. He wanted this. Um, and maybe there's a part of him now that feels like, you know what? Been there, done that. Let me just have fun fights. 300 is fun. This is fun. Gaethje's fun. 55 is fun. BMF is fun. Let's go. And so I, I was just like scratching my head a little bit at the timing. But again, I'll repeat. It's obviously fun. It's obviously two of the very best. They don't know how to produce boring fights. I'm just surprised. And maybe even more so for Gaethje because like he was there. He 100%. Didn't, he didn't even that, have to wait for a result. Say. Yeah. He didn't even have to Gaethje's wait for side something. side makes less sense. Yeah. Gaethje's side makes less sense. Um, and maybe this ups the stakes for Oliveira and Armin on the same card uh, because if Gaethje loses, that guy could be ready to go. A lot of different things. And I guess that's and, what makes this very fun. There's so many different permutations that come from this. And Poirier and Benoit. Like... The, yeah. the, the opportunity for Islam is now open, right? Like it seemed like Gaethje was in the driver's seat and now the opportunity is open. So I think anybody who's a top lightweight contender, um, there's some real stakes uh, attached to this fight. Yeah. And uh, I'll have more on uh, the Islam UFC Saudi Arabia stuff in a moment. We got two in the can. Many more questions to be answered regarding PFL Bellator, Saudi Arabia, 297 Ooh. and more. Talk to you later, Rick. Uh, for now, though, let us go to our first guest of the day. She will obviously be watching UFC 297 with a very, very watchful eye. And, uh, yeah, the main event is great. But for her, it's all about the co-main event. It's about the vacant bantamweight title fight, Myra Silva, Raquel Pennington. It's our old friend, the Venezuelan vixen. There she is. Hello, Juliana. How hello, are you? Hello. Oh, hello. what a great sweatshirt this is. We have one as well. The whole crew has one. I know. Why aren't you guys wearing them? I'm very disappointed to see this. Well, we have to be somewhat impartial. And uh, Frank in the back, Mysterious Frank is wearing his. You just can't see him. Frank, you need to play the breaking news music. Play the breaking news. Go, go, Frank. Go. <laughs> yes. Hello, Ariel. I am here today to announce some breaking news this Saturday. Night, Chitara will be fighting a block of wood at UFC in Toronto, <laughs> Canada, and they will be fighting for the grand prize of an opportunity to fight yours truly for the the vacant belt. And uh, theirs obviously is the interim, so they get the chance to face me, grand prize of, of fight, fighting for the real belt. Uh, whenever we're whenever we're back, I love it. I love it. I love that you just called for your own breaking news, and I had no idea what you were going to say. Uh, I love the way you positioned that. That was tremendous. Well, I was wondering if you were like keeping it close to the chest or if you've even told anybody because no. absolutely no one knows about this title fight that's happening on uh, Saturday night. Literally. How do you, like, you, were you holding out on us? No, no. How do you feel about that, though? Because it, it does feel like it's kind of flying under I, the radar. 
I, I mean, literally, Dana White and the UFC begged me to come on your show. He's a big fan, by the way. Oh. He's watching right now. Hey, Dana. And he, yes, he wanted me to tell you that there's a fight. There's a title fight for the interim bantamweight championship this Saturday. So that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm just letting everybody know that uh, these girls are going to be fighting on Saturday. And, uh, of course, I'm keeping a watchful eye. Are you going to be in attendance? No, no. You think I have time to go get on a plane with the door flying off to go watch this boring snooze fest? Absolutely not. I got better things to do. It's actually my my daughter's birthday this weekend. Okay. Well, that's a tremendous reason not to go. Um, it is it is interesting, though, because I do feel, Juliana, that you are kind of uh, the cloud hanging over this fight. And uh, everyone's talking about you. In fact... Go ahead. Go. Did you want to say something? Listen, it, it, no, listen, it's not my fault that I'm the most interesting thing about this fight. Literally, it's not it's not my fault. You know, they they want to be me, but like it's there's only one to one. Is it is it hard for you to watch this play out? Because you I mean, it's been a while since we saw you. I, I, I bet you want to be in there, right? Like you want to be fighting for this belt. The stars align for you here. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I want to be in there. I want to be in there, you know, every single time I, I can. Like, I, I would literally fight every single day if I could. But unfortunately, that's not the reality here. The reality is, is that this is a violent sport. And unfortunately, nobody can make me bleed my own blood except me. So I am my biggest enemy here. And I haven't been able to get healthy. But frick, if I was healthy, I would absolutely be there. Maybe not... Um, in Toronto because, you know, there's, you know, politics or whatever. But love Canada, though. Oh. Um, but but I, I you know why I wouldn't want to go there, Ariel? It's it's customs. Trying to get back into the United oh, States. Yeah. Which Wait, are you, are you not allowed to go into Canada? Is that what you're saying? No, it's just they tried to confiscate my passport the last time I was there in Vancouver. It was a big, oh, long God. story. Almost missed my flight. Customs was a nightmare. So, yeah, if I can avoid traveling out of the United States, unless I'm going to Dubai, um, then I'm absolutely going to do everything in my power to be fighting, you know, at uh, International Fight Week in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena, which I okay. But Okay. But by the way, why only Dubai? Why is that the only... Exception. Oh, because the flight was so nice. Uh, they yeah. give you champagne, VR. <laughs> I mean, really treat you like you're something special over there. Fair, fair, fair. Yes, I've been on one of those flights. It's very nice. Um, so, okay, so uh, the the fight is in fact happening. Uh, you are watching. Um, I'm 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 hoping that you fight the winner. We all are hoping that you fight the winner. But are are you healthy? Like, do you feel? Uh, can you give us an update on the body? How how are you doing health wise? body's feeling great. I am ready to go. I've been training back to my normal training schedule. And honestly, I feel great. I am just trying to ease back into things and making sure that the biggest objective is to make it to the octagon. So maybe not training three, four times a day, maybe just taking it back to like two, two and a half. Okay. Um, but, but definitely I'm ready to go. I am, I'm getting back in there and, and maybe we can uh, get Amanda out of retirement and, and get on that UFC 300 card. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Oh, what? Wait, that's not international fight week you're sending us mixed messages here okay well look international fight week i'll fight or ufc 300 whichever one okay. presents itself okay. beggars can't be choosers right has that been offered no okay <laughs> not yet i'm throwing it out there i'm just trying to like manifest this okay stuff. For, fair enough fair enough so like i said uh you're kind of the cloud hanging over this and we just had media day in toronto an hour or so ago and what did you know it uh myra buena silva had some things to say about you I wanted to play you the clip and get your reaction. Is that okay? Oh, please. Okay, here she is, MBS, earlier today. Seems like a lot of people want you to fight Juliana, but now you're fighting Raquel. It's been difficult to kind of block all the noise out and focus on Raquel. 
It's easy focus in Raquel because, you know, focus in Juliana because Raquel is very tough. It's more tough than Juliana. Juliana is easy money. Raquel is tough. So if it comes down to Juliana Pena or Sean Strickland, who would you rather spend time with in your personal life? You don't like me? <laughs> Why? No. no. You could spend time with both of them. <laughs> okay. I first Sean Strickland. <laughs> She would rather hang out with Sean Strickland than hang out with you, Juliana. And she also called you easy money. Your thoughts on these, these very, very <laughs> disrespectful words from MBS. Hey, listen, I would much rather hang out with Sean Strickland, too. He's much easier on the eyes. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but with that being said, look, I seen some this interview uh, a little while back by Brazilian Beats, I believe. And uh, it was fight news, including uh, two... Chitara, excuse me. She had no idea that she was fighting Raquel. I mean, she's literally saying in the interview that she's getting ready and preparing, watching all my fights, doing all of this uh, study work on me, only in her own words to find out that she would be fighting a block of wood instead. And so to me, even she said it herself, her own words, Nobody wants to see this fight. Nobody wants to see this fight between her and Raquel. I, once again, am the most interesting thing about this fight. And 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 she can have it. I'm like Beetlejuice. You say my name three times and I'm going to show up. And, and as she said it more than once. As a matter of fact, she can't keep my name out of her mouth. This chick is the president of my fan club. She is my biggest supporter. And I, I got to say, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Unfortunately, um, that that mediocrity is trying to get to greatness. Let me see. I, I, I said that I said that wrong. No. And, and I have here in my notes. But it, anyways, she's always trying to be me. She's like that JV bootleg version of myself and thinking that if you just squawk enough that you'll get the title shot. And hey, that might have worked you know, for, for some people in the past. But I have to say that when I was talking crap, I was actually speaking facts of what has happened to me in my career, actual things that have happened. So I could back it up. I wasn't just out there talking crap just to talk crap. I was doing it because I had the facts to back it up. I think hers is a little bit different. She just thinks that if she just runs her mouth, she'll get a title shot. And lo and behold, you know, you get a failed drug test and then you get a title shot. And, and look, the stars are aligning for her and that's great. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be as easy as she thinks it is. As a matter of fact, she herself said that she couldn't fight Amanda Nunes and that she would never be able to beat Amanda Nunes because Amanda would stomp a mud hole in her. That's not the case for me. I actually have that win. And in the second fight, I ran out of time. So there it is. This girl kid could not even beat Amanda. And she thinks that I'm the easy fight. Whatever. You know, I think I will say. She's a little bit over her skis here in terms of fighting Raquel. Raquel is durable. She's tough. And it's going to be a lot easier said than done when she gets in there with Raquel on Saturday night. And she's going to see that. Considering how you feel about her, I'm wondering who you're actually rooting for here. Because I feel like the heat... I know you and Raquel go way back. And there's a long story there between you guys dating back to the Ultimate Fighter. But the, like the, heat, the current heat is you and Myra. So are you actually rooting for Myra to win so that this could be the fight? I am. I am rooting for Myra because I know that it's going to generate more views and have more people interested because I finally have a, a not only a fighting opponent, but a verbal sparring partner that can actually hang with me and actually, you know, make it exciting and make it, you know, entertaining for the fans. Of course, we are fighters, but we're also entertainers. And that's our job is to to get people interested in what we're doing. And, and so if I can have somebody that's going to actually spar back with me verbally, I mean, that's great. Yeah. So um, do you think like right now, who is the favorite right now? Last I checked, I think Myra is a slight favorite. Maybe I'm wrong about this. 
she's a slight favorite, yeah. Slight favorite, minus 162, plus 136, Raquel. And I'm not asking for your pick here just yet, but do you think that she is the better fighter? Like, do you think that she has the better chance of winning this fight? I definitely think that she does have a better chance of winning this fight just because she's so hungry for it. She's mm. definitely got the the drive and the motivation. I mean, literally, I live rent-free in her head, and her whole objective is to fight me. That's what she wants. And so when you want something bad enough, you're going to eventually find a way to get it no matter uh, what happens. And I think that that's her motivation is so that she can fight me. So I, I think she's got a great chance of winning. By the way, this uh, rivalry between you two, where does it date back to? Like, wh- How did this all start? Uh, I believe it started when she got a drug failure test for an out of competition or for in competition banned substance. So I believe that she tested positive for Ritalin and that you're not allowed to take the the Ritalin when you're fighting. I think the Ritalin like helps you zero in and focus. It gives you that like cocaine like focus. And I think it's, it's banned. And, you know, to be honest, you can't, drink a cup of coffee without letting Usada know. You can't let leave your house without letting them know where you're going. So for for her to fail and to not declare this medication that she uses, you know, for depression or whatever. Look, nobody on earth takes mental health more seriously than I do, Ariel. And that is why I have taken it upon myself to speak with her medical team to to up this dosage. And also, I was going to ask you, you got a connection with Better Health, right? Yes, yes, Is there yes. any promo code that we can maybe <laughs> give to her for after this beating that's going to happen to her? Because I'm going to make her dreams come true of fighting me. And I'm going to, you know, give her the beating. And she's not going to win this real title when we fight. And she's going to need uh, that better health. She's going to need to up that dosage because she's really going to be in the depression after we face each other. I love all the little nuggets. Brazilian bees, shout out. Like you, you, you always have all the little things that just make us feel so good about ourselves. So I appreciate that very much. Um, you win this belt. I know you said they're fighting for the interim, but eventually you guys fight and you win this belt. Will it feel like the real title or will it only truly feel like the real title for you if you get a third crack at Amanda? It'll feel like the real title for me. Brazilian, Brazilian. I mean, they're all the same. Like, as, <laughs> as long as it's against Brazilian, I don't care. If I get the win, that's all that matters. When I get the win, that's all that matters. Okay, fair enough. I was just wondering if you needed, uh, you know, because sometimes people get the interim or this and then they say oh it's not the real one but i appreciate where you're coming from of course you do have the win over her as well no they're fighting for the interim and they'll be fighting like i said the breaking news was that they're going to get an opportunity to fight for the real bell as soon as uh you know they get their business handled on saturday have you been told explicitly by your friends at the ufc that you are next that there will be no other option I mean, yes, I have in the past. I don't know, you know, it's been six months can change some things, but I would assume that I'm the next in line. I'm the number one um, bantamweight in the world. And I think that that's the only thing that makes sense for me. Can I tell you what worries me just a little bit? And I want to get your response to this. So Kayla Harrison is a free agent. What if they sign her and say, we'll give you a title shot off the rip? Can she even make 145? I mean, I'd be willing to go up and wait at 145, but can she even make 145? Uh, well, this would be 135. There is no 145. Exactly. Okay. okay. And so, <laughs> to my point, I do not think that Kayla Harrison can make 135. But I mean, if she can, come on down, girlfriend. I love American Top Team and I know they love me too. Okay. Do you think that she would have success if she can make 135? Could she have success in the UFC? 
Um, I mean, it would definitely be a step up in competition. She'd actually be fighting girls that are, you know, worth a lick because all of the best fighters in the world are fighting in the UFC at the the highest, most elite level that there is. So, um, you know, definitely think that she could maybe uh, get some wins. There's no doubt about it at any given Sunday. But I think that she will definitely be tested first off on the scale and then second off with fighting actual real competition. Um, have you seen, you know, I, I, I know what you're saying about Myra. Um she talks smack about you and all that stuff, but I do think that she's doing for her, like for herself, someone who's new to the game and the scene, a pretty good job of selling this fight. I don't know if I've seen anything from Raquel. Have you seen anything from Raquel trying to sell this? I haven't seen one thing from Raquel, literally not one interesting thing have I seen from Raquel. And, 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 and that's exactly right to, to Myra's credit. At least she's trying, right. at least she's going there and like trying to generate the buzz. But the only thing that catches the headlines is me. So I, I, I think that, like I said, I'm the most interesting thing about this fight and uh, may the best girl win. You know, Raquel's got a beating coming. Uh, Myra's got a beating coming. They all can come get some smoke because I want it. Oh. Man, I do kind of wish you were sitting cage side and they brought you in afterwards and we got the face off. Like that just that's that's always money. I I understand why and I respect the decision why you're not there or going to be there, but that would have been nice. You know, to be honest, I was expecting the call, waiting for the call for them to tell me, "Hey, we're uh we're going to have you come out there." But I I truly I never got the call. Oh. And more importantly, you could not pay me to get on an airplane right now. I still feel like there's a couple of months that need to go by, you know, all these canceled flights and all these loose nuts and bolts. I'm a big conspiracy theorist by nature, oh my but gosh. like definitely do not feel like getting on a plane anytime soon right now. It's just like too scary for me. I'm literally getting on a plane in six hours from now, Juliana. This oh, sounds Oh, thanks. Next to the window, the most coveted seat. Oh my gosh. Now I'm so nervous. Um, I'm a very anxious you're, person. You, you're, you're probably fine first class, though, aren't you? Yeah, so what? Isn't the door in, in, in the front over there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they say that, like, on a plane crash, like, the, the, the front what? of the plane. Why are you talking dies. about this? Everyone dies in the front of the plane, but oh, in the back thanks. of the plane, you have a, a more uh, greater chance of living if you're in the back. First class and coach land at the same time, so it doesn't matter. I think you'll be fine. Okay. Thanks. Personally, I just know. No, thank you. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, who could forget our flight from uh, from Australia? Remember that? Yes, you totally helped me out. You got me inside that American club when I was just a wee little peon. I didn't want you to mention that part. Uh, you know, just we. I think I think we really bonded on that trip. We went through customs together. Do you remember all this? I'm kidding. I've never been a peon. I'm a main event. <laughs> yeah. Main event. <laughs> yes, I love it. Okay, I, I, I want – so this is what I was uh, promoting. In fact, you were supposed to be the last guest of the day, if we're being honest. And, uh, but then you had to change things up to pick up your daughter. I totally understand that. So I wanted you and the boys to make the picks together because we often get the picks from you DM right away. Uh, I'm told that you send them like, like clockwork. Never GC never has to ask you for the pick. And I say you – "Quote unquote," um, we're still not quite sure who's sending the pics, but it, it, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course, me, Ariel. I'm kidding. I, I hate I'm kidding. I'm you. kidding. I am a fan. I watch the show. I don't do any interviews with anybody else but you for this exact I pre- reason. I appreciate that. And how great was that New York City live show? Wasn't that amazing? 
Oh, I had such a blast, such a blast. New York is such a vibe. It yeah. is so fun. And that was literally just so much fun. I loved it. Thank you for having me out. Am I crazy, by the way? Like, I feel like you and Dylan kind of hit it off a little bit. Like, there was some trepidation. Am I crazy or what? <laughs> no, no, no. Dylan's a cool guy. I like him. I have no beef with him at all. Um, definitely somebody who you don't want to be, you know, around too much because they get a little heat, too much heat. <laughs> right. And I am bad all by myself. So sure. I don't need to be hanging around Dylan too much. But yeah, great guy. Did you get Super to nice. uh did you get to hang with Action Bronson and Cheeto in the back there? They were having a grand old time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we had a great time. Oh, we had a great time, Ariel. We had so much fun. I was living my best life over there in New York. It was amazing. I need a, I need a Action Bronson. I need some new balances, man. Hook a sister I up. I know. Those are actually I'm wearing the Action Bronsons right now. Can you see them? You wearing the baklavas? Let me see. Look at those. Ooh, the bam yeah. bam baklavas. But these are like the first editions. They're getting a little beat up. So yeah. Hook a brother and a sister up action. What a guy, that action, yeah. Bronson. And then I saw you in the front row over there at the uh, the UFC event the next time. I was like, oh, it must be nice, Juliana. Thanks for the invite. Honestly, that show was so crazy. They couldn't give tickets away at all. I wasn't even sure that I was going to go 100%. And then in the last, um, I think the day before, Dana was like, I got you tickets. Don't worry about it. And I was like, I just need one. And he was like, well, you get two. And I was like, oh, wow. Yes, Who'd you take? Who'd you take? Don't tell me, Dylan. Um, no, I did not take Dylan. I took a, uh, a certain somebody, but then he oh. had to go sit in his suite seat because he felt bad because some guy from the suite bought him the tickets and he didn't want to be a, you know, a jag off and, and, and sure. leave the suite to and so he didn't sit next to me. So I had an empty seat. And then I saw Gordon sitting on the other side and I told him to come sit next to me. So then Gordon moved and, and, and Gordon was sitting next to me for the fights. Wow. So with your extra ticket, you invited someone who already had a ticket? Well, the thing is, is that I didn't know if I was going to get tickets. So uh, he was like, don't worry. He got tickets for me. And uh, we we met up and he was like, I have your seat. But then like literally the day of Dana gave me the ticket. So I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't need to sit in the suite anymore because I'm going to be sitting. Wow. <laughs> no, but like I was like, come sit cage side. And, uh, you know, he was like, he didn't want to disappoint his friend. So totally understand. But we hung out in the VIP. It was a great time. I, I we literally Oh my gosh! I think my my night ended at like six in the morning. Wow! Was, yeah, Look at crazy. you. Sounds like the kind of guy who flies first class as well. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't oh. think he flies. He works a lot. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so can we get your pick? First time ever on the show live. We find out we got the music playing here. Frank, you, th uh, Frank, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Time out, time out, time oh, out. Okay. Stop the music. Stop the music. I did not want you guys to have to give me first just because I was coming on live. Did you uh, want to put it in your randomizer and see wow. so that everybody could have a shot at like, having the first pick or not? Shout out to the randomizer. What do you think, GC? Yeah, I can throw it in right now. But what happens if Rick gets first? He's not here anymore. Uh, we'll get his pick oh. over Slack. He can send it to me right now. All right, we'll see if he's watching. Okay, we're going to do randomize. Are you ready? Are you okay with this? Yes, I'm okay with it. Okay. Right. I have my notes Okay, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Boom. There it is. Uh, Juliana will not be picking first. Wow. I'll be going first. Frank second. Juliana third. And then Rick will go last. So it works out. Rick's got time to, uh, to get here. Okay. So you go first. All right. I'll kick us off. Main event. Not going to take a side in the main event. Uh, I'm going to take that the fight does not go to a decision. I think there's going to be a finish in this one. Okay. You like that, Juliana? I like it. I like it. 
All right, fine. She's focused. She's focused. Uh, Frank, you're... He said main event, right? He said main event, yeah. Main yeah, event. yeah, Sean Strickland, Drinkus Duplessis. Fight doesn't okay. go the distance. Um, okay, Frankie? Uh, kind of put me on the spot here. Don't touch the co-main, Frank. Um, yeah, there's only one person <laughs> for me. Jazz Divisius. Oh, Jazz Divisius. You're going with her? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Money line? Money Jasmine line. Moneyline, minus 360. Big favorite this week. Huge favorite. Huge okay. Win. Uh, so he goes with the Canadian Jasmine. Jazz Divisius. Going up against Priscilla Cachoeira. So he's picking her. Uh, you're up next, Juliana. I will take the over one and a half for the co-main event. Uh. Shintara versus a Stumplewood. <laughs> not even a winner. You're going with just the, the safe bet. Over one and a half. You're not picking a side. I love it. I just want to make sure that my guys are making sure that they get money no matter what, uh, okay? I love it. I love it. That's good. I like that you're not picking with your heart, picking with your mind. Very nice. Um, okay. So I picked my heart last week, and that didn't end up so hot. Yes, yes. Uh, you, I, talk about I believe you said uh, that's the last time you're picking based on looks. Based on, yeah. based on the looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like usually it's, it's normally foolproof. You pick the hot guy, but yeah, not so much. Not this time. Uh, do we have Rick's pick? Uh, he's typing right now. Okay, uh, so let's see. Um, we were just talking about the Gaston pick. She picked him because he's hot. Yes, that's what she said. So I slacked her back. I was like, I was like, oh, big underdog pick, and she said he fine. I thought she meant like <laughs> he'll be fine in the fight. Oh. I didn't actually think she meant he's fine, like he's hot. Okay, I get it. Uh, and from Rick, we get Mike Malott uh, yes. money line. So we got we got a little Niagara top team in action. We got the main and the co-main. This is a great parlay. This is our first winner of the year. I can feel it. Okay, and we're also yeah. going to do a parlay, Juliana, of all the Canadian fighters on the card. So you have to go 10, 10 legs on that. Hopefully you'll be partaking as well with our friends over at DraftKings who loved you, I heard. I heard they were smitten by you. I know, I know. I still never heard from them. Oh, Are you geez. like holding okay. like it close to the chest or what? I need to check back in because they did tell me they were big fans. So uh, yeah. I'll circle back. Well, actually, I was going to ask you, Ariel. Like, I know that I was like stepping in for like one particular week, and now it's been like you know. Sure. Oh, like, okay. I was going to ask, like, do you want your spot back? No, not at all. I thought you were just going to ask for money. Um, I no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. This is great. You've taken me like out of this. I, I don't want anything to do with these picks. This is perfect. Are you sure? Yes. This is the best thing to ever happen to the show. And I want you back <laughs> if, if, you, if your schedule allows, because uh, this is what I was originally hoping for, you on Monday to react to the co-main event. Can we count on you to come back on Monday? Yes, absolutely. You can count on me. Whatever you need, I'm your girl. All right. Thank you, Juliana. Enjoy the fights. Happy birthday yeah. to your daughter. Appreciate the time as always. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. There Take care. she is, Juliana Pena, the Venezuelan vixen. She goes with the over one and a half for the co-main event. That was a lot of fun. Great stuff, as always. It's always great to talk to the founder of the Professional Fighters League as well and what news they had yesterday. Holy smokes. The much-rumored, uh, much-discussed, much-bandied-about PFL versus Bellator Supercard is official Saturday, February 24th, 3 p.m. Eastern, main card on ESPN Plus pay-per-view and DAZN pay-per-view, live from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. There it is, the entire card. Henan Ferreira, the PFL heavyweight champion, going up against Ryan Bader, the Bellator heavyweight champion. Impa Kasangane moving down from 205. He just won the 205 belt. 
Moving down to 185 to go up against Johnny Eblen, the 185-pound champion from Bellator. Magomed, Magomed Kherimov, the welterweight champion of the PFL Mago Millions, going up against Jason Jackson, who had one of the great stories of 2023, the Bellator welterweight champion. And what about Jesus Pinedo, the PFL featherweight champion, going up against Patricio Pitbull, the face of Bellator. In addition to that, Bruno Capaloza representing PFL against Vadim Nemkov, Tiago Santos representing PFL against Yoel Romero of Bellator, and Clay Collard representing PFL against AJ McKee, another face of Bellator for so many years. That's the main card on the prelims. You got the likes of Aaron Pico. You got the likes of Biagio Ali Walsh making his pro debut. And what about Clarissa Shields on the card as well? All that and more we shall discuss now with our old pal Don Davis, who's here to discuss this exciting news. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm back. <laughs> You're back. We love having I'm you back. on. Yes, we enjoy this. Seize the throne. Heavy lies the crown. PFL <laughs> versus Bellator champs. I love it. I love it. Congratulations. Uh, could I ask off the bat, was it hard to put this together? You know, your last card wasn't that long ago. The acquisition, not that long ago. But here you are with a lot of big names, four champion versus champion bouts. Was this tough to put together in such a short amount of time? Yes and no. Yes, because of the compressed time frame. We really weren't able to put it together until the first week of January. We weren't able to start until then. That's when we were able to work with our Saudi Arabian partners with a date to start to lock it down. So very, very short, two weeks. No, because we had abundance of top talent. You and I talked when I sat in your studio. We now have 85 fighters ranked in the top 25 of the world. Collectively, we had 22 world champions now under the PFL and Bellator umbrella. So because we had an abundance of some talent, we could put on a great card, even with call it two weeks of notice and only six weeks to put on the fight. So a lot of work to be done kind of over that early holiday period, but we're thrilled, thrilled with this card. Okay, I was just going to ask you, uh, overall, are you happy with what you came up with? More than happy. Why? The A-plus is ahead of the A. <laughs> Two reasons. Um, and everybody really on, on social media and, and a lot of even the blogs, you know, yesterday I was interested. You know, I took three hours and I read a lot more than I normally read. And I went a lot deeper than I normally read because I want to understand what a lot of different fan factions were saying about the card. And people said, this is exactly what I would have hoped for with all this talent and the two organizations coming together, they didn't give us three or four pay-per-view events. They didn't parse it out. They really heavied it up. So that's why we're really happy. When we sat down, we said, what's every single fight we could give MMA fans? If you don't see it on this card, you know why it's not on this card? Injury, conflict. Hmm. Injury, conflict. We held nothing back for fans. So we're delighted how it came together. You know, I'm always curious as well as to how the fans feel about news and whatnot, especially when I'm hearing about things, you know, a couple of weeks out. And I have to say, and, and I think you know this to a degree, um, when you're not the UFC, the fans, especially on Twitter and social media, can be a little harsh, right? Because they've been supporting the UFC for so long. I was kind of blown away by the response yesterday. I don't recall a Bellator announcement or even a PFL announcement, if I'm being 100% honest, met with such positivity and enthusiasm over the last few years. 
Did you feel the same way? Did you did you sense that excitement and positivity? And were you expecting that? I agree a hundred percent with exactly your take, Ariel, on what people were saying. I think even some people who had not been PFL fans yet um, were saying, "Damn, got to give it to them." <laughs> you know, these were some of their comments. And some people who had been PFL fans said, wow, they outdid themselves. And some people who have been Bellator fans or a little bit worried said, hey, this is going to work out. So I, I think whatever perspective you came from, current fan, skeptical, or not yet a fan, you moved up two or three notches in terms of interest and certainly respect. And that's what we we're trying to do. All we're trying to tell fans is MMA is big. Man, there's 650 million fans out there. UFC puts on a great product. We put on a different and unique great product. Check it out. It's not either or. This ain't Coke or Pepsi. PFL is doing a whole different thing. And we're doing a whole different thing for fans and a whole different thing for fighters. And I think yesterday, people started to get that vibe. And we hope with this card, those who have not yet been PFL fans, come check it out. Considering this is such a big card for you guys, and it's uh, it's been so well received, any consideration to not putting it on pay per view so that the most amount of people in the world, and especially here in America, can see it? Yes, that wasn't possible. You know, also collectively with our partners, ESPN pay per view, DAZN pay per view, uh, and the General Entertainment Authority Saudi Arabia, that was a necessary part of the puzzle. This card is unbelievably expensive the most expensive card ever put on in the history of Bellator or PFL. Hmm. Bellator put on over 300 events. PFL, we put on over 120 events. 420 cards. Wow. This is the most expensive by far ever put on. So this was kind of a necessary in terms of the uh, economic model and the positioning of the PFL super fight division going forward. Are you, are you confident, you know afternoon card there's a lot of competition right around this time there's a ufc event later on there's a bunch of pay-per-views people are being asked to spend it's you know it's kind of funny i know you're a sports fan as well i know you're a football fan saw a lot of people belly aching about uh peacock having exclusive rights to that chiefs dolphins game i was like wow these people aren't fight fans you know they're being asked to spend five dollars to watch one nfl game and and you know mma and boxing and combat fans have to spend a lot uh, are you confident that you'll be able to recoup and that this will be a profitable venture? First of all, congratulations to you and your bills. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, as many people may not know, I'm a huge Bengals fan. Yes. And I know Ariel's a huge Bills fan. Um, so we're both not yet in the promised land, right? And right. so I'll root for you this year. Thank you. Um, so for us, pay-per-view is one of the economic models, but just one. The number of buys fits into one of the economic models. For PFL also, we need to establish our new super fight division. We're only having two fights each year in the pay-per-view super fight division. That has a different platform for fighters like Francis Naganu, like Jake Paul, like Kayla Harrison, like Chris Cyborg. There are fighters who fight differently. There's brands that sponsor differently. There's partners that get involved differently with that caliber of event. So we're going to have two a year. And we've always said we want those two a year to be as premium as anything you've ever seen on planet Earth. 
whether it's from UFC or otherwise. We believe we've accomplished that with this kind of fight card. I don't think it's any coincidence that the UFC March 2nd event was canceled the day before our fight event. Those who know MMA said that is not a mega event. That is not worthy of being hosted in Saudi Arabia. That is a poor fight quality card the UFC put forth on March 2nd. Could UFC load up a card and have a mega card? They could. Do they do it that often? They don't. We're going to do it every time we do it. And so our partners who are host partners, like Saudi Arabia, our partners who are pay-per-view partners like DAZN or ESPN+, Plus, they know they can count on us for these two fights a year. Best of the best of the best. So that's how we're thinking about it in terms of the business model going forward. Was it some kind of moral victory for you and the team that the day after the news comes out that uh, this UFC card in Saudi Arabia was being moved to later in the year, in June, what I'm hearing, uh, your news comes out on Tuesday and it's met with great enthusiasm. Did you feel like that was a, a victory for, as you put it, the, 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 the co-leader in MMA? We know what we're doing. Um, Guns N' Roses knows the music they're playing. They're in the, they're in the whiskey bar for five years until there's the, the big Use Your Illusion album. <laughs> and, and everybody knows that they hit it big. It takes a while to build companies. So, for example, we know Fight Matrix, which many of your fans who are big time fans will know Fight Matrix. It's the only really recognized independent way of ranking fighters. We know that the PFL fight cards are equal to the UFC fight cards, non-pay-per-view on TV. So if you turn in PFL on Friday night or UFC on Saturday night, they're equal. But most fight fans say, nah, that can't be. UFC's better fighters. It takes time for brands to build. For example, Ariel, this fight card, the fight matrix rankings are 14. For the whole card, not the co-mains. We can't find another fight card in the history since they've been tracking them that it's that high of quality. That's the seven main fight cards, taking all 14 fighters. But most fighters would still say, hey, I don't know if this is as good as a UFC pay-per-view. Should I buy it? Right. So we know what we're doing to serve fans. It takes time for that brand to get built. So we have to keep doing what we're doing, stay super positive, stay fan-focused, stay fighter-first, and it'll all work out. When I think of PFL versus Bellator, the first fight that comes to mind is Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison. Why isn't that on this card? We want it to be. Um, two reasons. Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg. <laughs> Kayla, injury. Then Cyborg didn't want to fight Pinchenko. So there's only one person here who was ready whether they were fighting Ariel or <laughs> Kayla or, right, Pachenko. She was the sport in all of this. Hey, I'll let Kayla fight Chris. Hey, I'll fight Chris. Hey, I'll fight February 19th. I'll fight January 3rd. So Larissa was the real champ in this. Um, we would have liked to put some fight together to have the top women represented on here on the Champs v. Champs format. Not possible. Um, injury, schedules, conflicts, um, opinions. But that fight's going to happen. The great news, that fight's going to happen. Kayla has one more fight under a contract that she was injured, could take this fight. Chris under contract, four more fights, lifetime. That fight is going to happen. Kayla wants to fight Chris. 
Chris wants to fight Kayla, that fight's going to happen. So will it be this summer? Most likely. Will it be the co-main on probably Francis's first pay-per-view fight with us? Probably. So great, great news. Don't get it February 24th, but fans are going to get it this summer. So um, the Kayla thing is interesting because when she fought for you guys in late November, she had said that that was her last fight because it was either the number of fights or the term. You're now saying something different. You're saying she was hurt and she owes you one fight. So is she on board with this? Does she does she agree with this assessment of the contract? I believe so. Okay. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Yes. Okay. So you are confident she will fight for you one more time. Hundred percent. Are you hoping to resign her after that one time, or do you think there's only one? We fight are. Left? We are. And on this one, I uh, I love Kayla not only as a fighter but as a leader and as a person. Um, we have an offer on the table for her. We've had an offer on the table for her for three months. Huge offer. Would make her the highest paid woman in MMA ever. We've told her if she wants to stay, we'd love to have her. I'm the kind of um, person who is not only direct, but very authentic and honest with my feelings. So I don't like to put fighters down or hide in the weeds. Right? We want people. We want them here. We'd love to have her here. And she knows that. But we said, take all the time you need. You can do the one more cyborg fight and then decide. We don't play games and say, you can't get this fight unless you renew with us like other people do. Hmm. You know, we're very, we're very on the table. This is your offer. You can take this at any time. It won't go up. It won't go down. We'll treat you with the utmost respect. Like, that's why fighters don't leave us. And that's why we're fighting, you know, winning over more and more fighters in the, in the marketplace. That's the kind of respect I want when I'm looking for a new job. So that's the kind of respect we give them. So she has a huge offer from us. She can end her career with us. She could become an executive. She could become an on-air talent with us. We would like her to lead a major part of our women's product going forward after she's done fighting. It's up to her to decide how she wants to do that. But what we do know is we're going to get Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg this summer. Um, and one last thing on Chris. She's boxing this weekend. How do you feel about that? And if she didn't have that on the books, do you think she would have taken the Larissa fight? I don't know. Um, I'm super happy that Chris is here. I don't know her as well as, as I know some other of her fighters is, is a person. Um, so I don't know that. I think she's new to PFL. I think we're building a relationship uh, of trust with her in terms of how we work with her. The, uh, the same relationship we built with other fighters. So it's hard for me to answer that, to be honest. Okay. Um, the only, Like I said, met with great enthusiasm and excitement. The only other name that people said, oh, I wish he was on this, was Patchy Mix. Was there any attempt to put him on the card, the 135-pound champion? Yes. Could not get the right matchup. Okay. That would be awesome. 100%. Um, by the way, we try to get Brendan... On this card also. Brendan Lockman. Brendan is yeah, Brendan Lockman injured, couldn't okay. do it. So if there is somebody you wish you could have seen, believe me, injury or conflict. Fair you enough. couldn't get ready. Um, if there was anybody who was ever a Bellator champion, as long as you've been alive, that you would want to see, if there was anybody who was ever a PFL champion, this card would have had nine, not seven. Okay. You know, so we've got you know, eight current champions, six former champions, it would add more. Um, you're getting everything you could possibly get. And to me, the other thing that we didn't talk about, get ready for this every year. Okay. This will become an annual event. Um, the fighters were so excited when we reached out to them. The potential partners 
We're so excited. And now that we've seen how big it can come together, every year in the Bellator Champion Series, as you know, we have eight fights a year. They'll be fighting and trying to retain belts all year. The PFL League season, 10 events, crown a champion every year. So around this time every year, each February, look for champs be champs. Heavy lies the crown, <laughs> seize the throne. I love it. That is very exciting. People love that sort of thing. Uh, one interesting nugget that we didn't talk about, it's, uh, it's three five-minute rounds, so there's no 25-minute fight, right? These champ v. champ fights, and elbows are allowed. Uh, can I ask why no 25 minutes, and why are you cool with elbows for this card? Yeah, you asked me about elbows when I was in your studio, and I said, really, it's about the season format, right? The season format can't happen. Uh, Quote, unquote, the NFL season can't sustain itself, if you allow that. But everything else, we were going to look at product by product basis. So our pay-per-view super fight, of which this is one, elbows. The Bellator Champion Series, elbows. Um, so full, full out in those two products. In terms of, um, you know, everything else, you know, the PFL Europe season, PFL Mideast, those are all seasons. So no elbows in those. Okay. And... Uh... Why did you choose to do 50-minute fights and not 25-minute fights for champion versus champion? We thought, well, one, very short notice mm. for everybody preparing, better for fighters. We also thought more interesting for fans, right? This is a really heavy card, really stacked card. We thought the pacing would be much better. Okay, fair enough. Um, by the way, how are things going as far as finding a new TV home for Bellator? Very good. Uh, what I can tell you, we, we're, we, we're down to three, oh. and it'll be better distribution than Bellator had, okay. both U.S. and international. I think we'll be able to announce it uh, by the end of February, so a full month before the season, the Champion Series starts. Um, and it will be more premium, meaning uh, more expansive. More people will be able to see it with better distribution, better reach, both U.S. and international. Do you know when the first Bellator event is going to be? We do. Um, we haven't announced that yet, but it will be in March. That's no when no the better time than now. Go ahead. You can announce uh, it right here. Come on. I, yeah, you know, I don't want to overstock your show. Okay, I don't want to overstimulate yeah. the viewership. That's fine. That's um, fine. But it will start in March, and it, there will be approximately one event a month and eight total events. And as I told you, the most exciting thing is every single fight has two championship fights, both co-mains or both for belts. Um, so this will be cards that will surprise people also in terms of everything is, hey, that's a high quality fight. That is not filler. So some people said Bellator will have less events than they did before. True, but you are gonna see better fights, better production. I love that. Um, and, and just curious, uh, could you tell us city country that this event will take place in or not yet? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you this. We're going to have six of the events international okay. and two events in the United States. So you're going to have eight great cities of the world, eight different cities, eight different events, six international, two U.S. Is there going to be any PFL or Bellator event this year that fans in the United States won't be able to see like last year with PFL Europe? No. So if there is a PFL Europe this year, we'll be able to see it here? Well, PFL Europe... Um, we're still working on. Okay. So the international leagues, we're still finalizing U.S. distribution. We have rest of world distribution. But for PFL league season, ESPN, 
Yeah. All Friday nights will be announced very soon. Friday All nights. prime time. Huge. And it'll be simulcast. ESPN main channel and ESPN Plus. Wow. So bigger, broader distribution for the ESPN League season than ever before. So call it a nice upgrade from ESPN from even the previous year, um, where we had some Thursdays, some Fridays, um, some ESPN2, some Maine. It's all now Friday and all now ESPN Maine. And then Bellator, uh, once again, will have all uh, mostly Fridays and some Saturdays, all Fridays and Saturdays. So you're now going to have really 18 premium events on Fridays and Saturdays, plus two pay-per-view events, plus about 15 international series. So this year, we're going to produce between 35 and 38 shows in 2024, double the number of 2023 for fans. As you know, the big uh, story of last week was Francis Ngannou getting the Anthony Joshua fight. And the reaction was met with great excitement, but there's a lot of people now saying, I don't know if he's ever going to fight in MMA, let alone PFL, ever. Do you feel confident that he will fight for you this year? I have no worry about my partner being too successful. <laughs> this is like having a brother that's like too rich and is not going to like take you out to Cabo on his private plane. Right? You right. Know? Could, could I be so lucky to have this brother, right? I love our partner, Francis Nagano, being so successful. I love it. Um, do I have any worries about him fighting for us? No. Is it going to take longer to schedule? Sure. Do we have to get his opponent way better? Of course. But is that going to make the fight even more exciting? 100%. So um, Francis' success makes our task of getting him an opponent harder. But it's going to make his fight even bigger for PFL. So it will happen 100%. Because maybe there's a world he knocks out Anthony Joshua and then Saudi says we want him to fight the winner of Usyk Fury just from a timing perspective, right? Sure. So even play, I always like to say, oh, what's the worst case scenario here? My brother says, I'm going to take you on the G5 to Cabo, but I can't do it until March 2025. And you go, nah, I just want to take my own Winnebago to the, no, you wait until February 2025. Hey, so worst case scenario, we have the biggest fight in MMA in February of 2025 with Francis. That's our worst case scenario. Sign me up. Okay. That we have the greatest fighter in the world. Sign me up for that. That he's shocked boxing and he's opening up PFL Africa for us. And then he, he signed me up for that. So everybody always likes to look at the, at the bad stuff here. To me, um, they always talk about also, you don't have any opponents for him. UFC doesn't have any opponents for him. There's only one guy in the world. I said this to you like six months ago, John Jones. There's only one opponent for Francis Nagato in the world, John Jones. Now, will La Problemo and Bader convince all of us that they could fight maybe Francis? Let's see. I don't know. Who in the heck knows? But nobody else at UFC is any more compelling than those two guys. It's all just blah, 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 blah. It's John Jones or nobody. You know, all this UFC heavyweight back and forth. Bader and Love Problemo is a better fight than anything over there. But none of it is John Jones, Francis Nagano. That's a one-of-one one bespoke custom heavyweight fight. Francis is now in that league. He is above everything. By the way, is there any scenario where, because uh, we've seen what he's done in boxing, His Excellency, Turkey Al-Sheikh, says to you and the UFC, hey, we're partners, I want Jones versus Nganu. Has that come up? It has not come up. 
if it had come up, I wouldn't breach confidence and tell you. Fair. Um, but you know what? Like as an entrepreneur, as an innovative guy, seeing what Turkey's done, I don't, I would be shocked to not see that happen. Yeah. I'd rather see that than uh, five versus five. Sure. But just <laughs> look know, what he's doing. He's getting, he's getting Eddie Hurd and Frank yeah. Warren, who hate each other, sitting at the table singing Kumbaya. Why can't he make this happen? I bet he can. Okay. I wouldn't bet against Turkey. I wouldn't bet one penny against Turkey, <laughs> <laughs> let alone more than that. So to me, when the biggest things in the world get bigger, because that's what's happening, the biggest thing was Francis and John Jones. Then it got bigger because Francis now is better. And Francis now is more exciting. So the biggest thing got bigger. Sometimes that's put so much pressure, the crucible busts. And it busts in such a way that great things happen. That's how great companies get built. That's how great Super Bowl teams get made, as you know. Just things bust. I just think in 2025, things could happen that we can't imagine today. Wow. Okay, last question, and it's probably the most important one to me. We know PFL has uniforms. What happens in this super fight card? Does Bellator have to wear a uniform too, or could those guys go rogue and wear whatever they want? Because that would be fun. Well, if they can go rogue, PFL can go rogue. Oh. Is that, is right. that what's happening? So, um, you know, okay. I didn't tell you what was happening, oh, okay. right? But I, I'm just saying, we the rules got to be fair. Okay. So, and, and part of this is, keep in mind, this is a pay-per-view super fight, our yeah. very first one. This is not a league season. This is not a Bellator champion series event. This is a pay-per-view super fight. We want personalities to show. Oh. This is a pay-per-view super fight. So what you're going to see in terms of production, what you're going to see in terms of announcers, what you're going to see in terms of music, this is a pay-per-view super fight, our very first one. You're going to see some different stuff. I love it. Okay. That's a nice uh, old-fashioned tease. Uh, always appreciate these chats. Enjoy them very much. Thank you, Don. Congrats to you and the team, and looking forward to February 24th. Thank you so much, Ariel. Appreciate being back. All right, there he is, Don Davis. Exciting stuff in the world of PFL and uh, one of the, the, the main talking points there. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. In that conversation was, of course, the man who's arguably the most talked about guy in boxing and MMA right now is Francis Ngannou. The man by his side, the man who has been by his side for a very long time is... Joining us from Canada, from Toronto, to be exact, frigid Toronto, because his other guy, Sean Strickland, is defending his UFC middleweight title for the first time this Saturday, UFC 297. Where is he at? Eric Nixick, the coach of the year. Yeah! Representing We the North. I like it. Is that is that a custom one, too? You got all the custom jerseys. You, come on, baby. You know it. Chris uh, Curtis. Yo, you got a Chris Curtis. You got Raptors. that Chris Curtis. I love Let's it. Let's go. We were debating this before the show because I saw your Strickland Blue Jays one, and I remember your E-Gay yep. Grizzlies one. I was like, okay, who's behind this? Are you just getting these done before these fights? 
Yeah, yeah, no. So if I'm if I'm going to the city, I'm I'm trying to rep, you know. But uh, this is funny because Ige's like, "Wait, where's my jersey?" And I was like, "No, no, it's for me. I'm wearing your jersey." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Wait, you didn't buy me a jersey?" I'm like, "No, but you can wear mine if you want." He's like, "Dude, this is an asshole move." <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. It's great. That's that 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 Jay's one we just showed it. Tremendous. I love the old school uh, powder oh, blue. Slick. So uh, yeah, very well slick. done on your part. Okay, uh, lots to talk to you about. And by the way, uh, congratulations, Coach of the Year. You, I think every award show, had like you were the only one that everyone agreed on in every category. So well done once again to you. Oh, thank you, brother. Much appreciated, especially coming from you guys, man. It really, it really does truly mean the world. And, um, you know, we say it time and time again, you know, it's, it's such a team effort and the guys that we have in the room. But, uh, you know, I can't thank you guys enough. Is there any, this is the type of person I am. Like when something good happens to me, I don't enjoy it. I don't let myself enjoy it. I just worry, how am I going to top this? Are you that kind of person too? Are you like, oh shit, now what am I going to do in 2024 to beat this? Um, hundred percent. And I, I think that, you know, th this sport is, is such ups and downs and you, you ride the highs and, and you get too high and you forget what got you here, you know? And, and then if you're on those lows, it just, you're constantly grinding and trying to stay better. But you know, that even ground for me is, is really where it's at. And, and once you, once you get that and everything else, it's hit the reset button and get right back to work. And, you know, that's always been my mentality anyway. So consistency is, is the key for me. How's the cold treating you up there? Bro, it's different cold, <laughs> yes. like different cold. I just saw our boy DC and DC was coming into the hotel and like DC looks at me. He's like, this is different. I'm like, bro, like cuts through you. Like the, the cold, the wind is like, feel it in your soul. It's yes. different. Bone chilling, <laughs> it's cold, as they say. Bro. So it's funny. Why, why are we here in January? What's I don't know, on, man. Bro? I don't know. But it, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned DC because I have asked a couple of people this, but I'm curious from your perspective as a coach. I remember specifically DC telling me when the UFC was in Buffalo in April for UFC 210, uh, he fought Rumble Johnson. He had a hard time cutting weight. He almost missed weight as champion. And he told me that the cold really affected him coming from California. He really couldn't sweat as much as he wanted to. He was just so uncomfortably cold. Is that of any concern to you for your guys? No, not really, because these guys are always pretty much on point. I mean, if it's a guy like DC who's, you know, carrying a little bit of extra weight on him, you know, th those weight cuts are pretty tough. I think DC will find uh, any reason to okay. say why it was a tough cut. <laughs> so, right. I mean, well, I, we've cut, we've cut in cold weather, you know, we, but we've had the amenities to be able to make the weight, you know, this day and age with uh, the sauna blankets and everything else and whatever. It, the job is the job and we'll do whatever it takes. Is there a big difference in terms of the guy you're dealing with and seeing and, and feeling and vibing off of? Sean Strickland this week, as opposed to Sean Strickland in September of last year, leading up to the Izzy fight. No, not much. I mean, uh, you know, honestly, like we don't hang out a whole lot during fight week. Anyway, you know, like um, we're, we're we're coach, we're fighter, we're, we are friends. But during fight week, he's very much dialed in in the same way it was in Australia. He kind of stayed in his room and, and hung out with KJ and. Myself and Danny and the coaches, you know, we'll, we'll go out and grab some drinks and some food and hang out. But it's all it's all business. Um, so nothing's really changed, I think, in comparison to, between the two fights. What about leading up to this fight as as the uh, the hunted as opposed to the hunter? Is there any sort of difference in him this time? No, dialed in, super focused. Um, what I have noticed is that I think that with the responsibility of becoming a champion, He's been a bigger role model to the younger guys in the room, the gym. I think he's made himself more available to the younger guys uh, in the room. And he's actually been cornering more guys in the gym and their sparring sessions 
to the point where like even Dan Ige had mentioned to me, he's like, bro, like I, I kind of want to see maybe a Sean will corner me for my next fight. Like I like his energy. I like his presence. And then furthermore, like Sean likes to come in and watch guys like Kai Kamaka and Manel and guys that, um, you know, I work with exclusively to kind of see their, their types of sparring and the things we're working on and the different types of routes. I think it just shows that Sean's willing to grow and evolve his game, but also be a, a team player and help the guys that are in the room. What was your reaction when you saw the, uh, the very short, short-lived brawl at 296 between Sean and DDP. What did you think when you saw that? Uh, the, fir- the first thing I texted him was, did we win? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, that's, that's usually just me and my sarcasm. You know, I was like, all right, did we win? You know, and, and, then, uh, and then there's the coaching element, right? And, and that's what I brought up to him. And I think much of people have, have heard me comment about it. I just said, listen, bro, that, that, that's not our approach to the game. Um, this is what Drikus wants. He wants us emotional. And then it was a very easy comparison because the night, the same night was Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, who I thought fought brilliantly when he was attacked at the press conference. And he could have fought that fight emotionally, which would have took him out of his element and would have left him like overthrowing punches, which would have allowed Kobe to take him down. There were so many things that I thought that behind the scenes that's not getting enough credit is the way Leon Edwards fought that fight and put the emotions aside and fought the fight tactically. And that was the exact same point I brought up to Sean. I said, look, man, if you're fighting over, over an emotional, um, you know, thing that happened to you, that takes us out of our game. That takes us out of our element. And he said, no, I agree. And it was literally two days of, of, of that. And then it was over and it was right back to, you know, Sean being Sean and we were right back in the room on that Monday. Is DDP in his head? No, no, not by any means, not by any means at all. Though, I mean, honestly, the only thing that I think that it did was just motivate Sean to work even harder, you know? Um, and look, you're a champion now. Your target's on your back. It doesn't matter if it's DDP. It doesn't matter if it's Izzy or, or Hamzat. The target is on your back now. Everybody's coming for what you have. So, you know, you're going to have to stay focused. And not only are you going to have to stay focused, look, the greats of this sport, Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, they stayed at that level because they were so great, but found ways to always better their best and improve, right? Kobe Bryant would work on the things that maybe he didn't do great last season. And the next season you come out and see him as a better free throw shooter. That's our job as a champion. And that's our job is to, to better our best every time out and not just be content on, okay, we made it. We did it. We got the belt and then let our foot off the gas. No, no, no. We need to floor that motherfucker and stay ahead of the game. Is Sean comfortable being champion? And the reason I ask you this is because a theory was thrown out to me that there's a part of him that is sort of, that there's like a sort of self-sabotage sort of element to his personality. And I was thinking about that. And then I saw he did this thing where he was like shooting off fireworks and he got burnt. And then I saw this interview where he, he it was like, hey, uh, it was Megan Olivia, and she's like, uh, with the welter, uh, the middleweight champion, and then he's like, well, at least for now, who knows how long I'm going to be middleweight champion. And I was like, does this guy want to be champion? Because this all happened so weird. Like, is he comfortable with all of this? Um, I would say so. I think, listen, here's the thing that I, I, I see with Sean, is that the byproduct of him winning all these fights is becoming champion. He loves the fight. He enjoys the process. It's the process that he fell in love with. The product is not his goal or, his, or what he's chasing. His, it's the showing up every day and being great at the craft. And then furthermore, the byproduct is now you're the, the middleweight world champion. And this question was asked to me today, and, and I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of it, is that it's my job and goal to make him understand that this is such a rarity in this sport. 
You know, I spent a lot of time with Joe Benavidez and that man, if there's anybody in this sport that I wish that I would have been there for to see a belt wrapped around his waist is Joe Benavidez and him to understand the importance of having that belt and reaching that pinnacle of the, of the sport. You know, Coach Follis used to always tell, tell me, why do you see guys fall down on their knees and cry when they win the belt? And it's not because it was easy. It was because it was so hard to make that journey and get there. So there's a part of me that wants him to understand the importance of it. But there's also a side of me that I think that, you know, he doesn't put as much pressure on himself either, right? Like you don't want to change your guy, but you also want him to appreciate the standard that we have that we are the middleweight world champion and you should enjoy it. So I'm sure you saw the comment from his podcast with Chris where he said he sent a message to DDP like, I'm, I'm going to stab you and I'm going to go to jail if you bring this up again. Is it, When you see that, do you talk to him? Like, I mean, I, I could see a scenario, not where he stabs him, but like if, if DDP brings this up again at the press conference on Thursday, I, I'm worried about what could happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sean says stuff all the time, <laughs> but, you know, it, it it is what it is. And look, man, like, I really genuinely think that like, like DDP is a really good dude. Like he's a really good dude. And it's like you get on the school playground and you start throwing stuff back and forth and somebody throws a mom joke at you and it hits a little heavier than most, you know? So if you're going to jump in the pool, man, you're, you're going to get wet. People are, you're going to talk shit. People are going to talk shit back to you. It's just part of the game. Now I understand that there's a lot of trauma built up in there and, and you know, it hit Sean differently. And, you know, Sean, Sean said, bro, like, you bring it up, we're going to fight. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to do this, some of that. So the end game is them stepping into a cage and fighting. They can figure that out. Let's not stab anybody or shoot sure. anybody. Let's actually, let's actually get paid to do it. And you guys can figure that all out on, on uh, Saturday. The stuff that he talked about on the Theo Vaughn podcast, did you know about all of that? Yeah, for sure. Was it hard yeah. to see him like that? Um, I mean, he's your brother. You know what I mean? Like, like he's safe with us. And, and look, as, as a coach, Ariel, I, I feel like my job is to peel back some layers to understand who and what they are and what they need to hear and what they need to be successful. When, when I've known Sean for a long time, and, and that, I think that people don't really understand. I've known Sean before the car accident when he was in California. Um, I didn't know a lot about, you know, his upbringing, but I knew the type of individual that Sean was. And, I think for me, the whole goal with him coming to Extreme Couture was provide him with a home, give him an atmosphere that can make him successful. All the while, you, you can change him in, in, in spurts, right? Like this dude isn't just an overnight like, oh, okay, now all of a sudden he's a great teammate. I would say probably when he showed up to Extreme Couture, most of the guys didn't want him there, right? But it was, it was myself and a, and a handful of other individuals who were like, hold on, give it time. You have to understand his approach to me is like my, my, like my, my uncle was our, our weight training coach and our linebackers coach. His approach was very different. His approach was very um, just in your face, you know, and, and dismissive, but his, his heart was in the right place. He wanted to get the best out of you. And I saw that with Sean. He, he really does care about his teammates. He does really care about, you know, the outcome of your fight. It's the delivery that wasn't great. So over time, I think guys start to understand like Sean's delivery isn't the best, but his heart is in the right place and he wants the best out of the individuals in the room and the team. So I think over time, that's kind of what we've seen out of him in the room and in his growth and the difference that we've seen from him from, from when I met him to, the, to, to today. Any concern at all, he fights emotionally and forgets about the game plan. 
on Saturday? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, this, this guy is very much dialed in and, and, you know, we saw, we saw the, the, the fight versus Izzy, you know, and, and there was little things that we talked about in the back um, and on the walk. Hey, I want you to focus in on, on small little details, small focus in on the, on the cage, the canvas, feel everything in the room, you know, you know, look at the lights for a second, but don't, don't worry so much about like the, the, the outcome, just focus on the task at hand in this moment and try to win every second of this fight. You know, we'll, we'll have him in the right headspace. I think he'll be fine come fight night. But again, man, this is fighting. You, you, you know, man, and anything can happen. But we checked all the boxes. This guy's in incredible shape. He's worked his butt off all camp. There's nothing that's really changed, only gotten better. And, you know, now it's up to the gods. What's the key to beating DDP? There, there's a lot, man. There really is. And look, you got to give this guy credit where credit's due. I've cornered against him versus Brad Tavares, right? Five fights ago, maybe four or five fights ago. And he's only gotten better. He really has. He's only gotten better. I, I think that you look at him stylistically and tactically and you're, and you're like, oh, this guy's kind of falling all over the place or he's this or he's that. I think he's really starting to understand where his product placement is. I think he's starting to understand the reasons why he's doing certain things, especially when it comes to a striking. You know, we saw him drop Robert, Robert Whitaker with a with a softball right-handed jab, right? So he's starting to understand, like, oh, I can put my power hand forward. I can do this. I can do this. And I think his adaptation to the MMA, his fight IQ is just, just only improving. I think for us, it's just going to be important to dictate the pace, uh, not fall into any of these traps. And I think distance management is going to be very important for us. Not to give away too much of the game sure. plan, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of little 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 keys and little details that we have to make sure that we're – reminding our p's and q's on but um you know for the most part man let's let's uh let's try to drown this motherfucker and when you say drown he's not used to fighting in championship rounds sean is right uh and cardio has been something that has been said that ddp struggles with he says he has corrected it he fixed his nose his breathing do you feel like that's something you can exploit no i don't think it's anything that you want to hang your hat on 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 the what is but it's definitely something that you're going to have to test uh, I would agree with you there. Like, you know, I think, I think he, he's been, um, you know, criticized about something that really doesn't matter. Like the guy's finishing the fights and he's winning. Right. So I think people that are jumping on, well, maybe the cardio thing, well, it's not maybe he's like, he's winning, <laughs> he's winning and he's getting through it, whether his mouth is open or not. I have a pretty good heavyweight that, that doesn't open, that doesn't breathe, <laughs> breathe out of his mouth most of the time. And that's Francis. You know, so um, I give him credit, man. I give him, I give him and his camp credit. I think this guy is uh, right where he belongs. He's the number one contender for a reason, and I think he's only getting better. Speaking of Francis, what a great segue! You're such a pro. Uh, yeah, I'm good at this, I love it. I love Coach it. Coach of the year. Come yes, on. exactly. And broadcaster too. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I don't ask you about him. Uh, he told me last week that the majority of his camp will be in Saudi Arabia. What does that mean for you? Uh, I'm going to be out there. So I leave February 25th. I go straight from uh, Mexico City. Wow. So, yeah, I'll have – so Dewey's out there now. Dewey oh, okay. and John are there with him right now. Um, you know, this, this camp is very different because of the timeline. For us, we knew we had the Tyson Fury fight about a month before it was announced. Mm. So everything started to be put in place before the fight was even announced. So we had time here. We had time in Vegas to train. And then that's when we packked up and went and spent the last month out in, out in Saudi to wrap up camp. 
Now with him having the press conference in Barcelona and London, uh, Dewey cornered Farid, and then he was straight to London, and then those guys are, are are staying in Saudi and doing all the camp there, essentially just because it just made more sense rather than coming home and then being here for basically two or three weeks and then now going back to Saudi. So I'll be with Ige, Brad Tavares, February 10th. Myself and Dewey usually corner Daniel Zahuber together. So if I left early, then Daniel would be left with no corner out in Mexico City. And I basically left it up to Francis. I just said, look, man, you know, I don't want to leave this kid high and dry, but you're obviously my number one guy. If you tell me you need me at this point, then I'll be there. If not, if you're good with it, I'll, I'll like to try to corner Daniel just to make sure he's got a coach. He said, no, go. I got I got these guys. We'll be good as long as you're out here. So um, they're going to fly me out immediately from Mexico City straight to uh, Saudi Arabia right after that fight. Okay. And, and I'm just curious, like your thoughts on this, because it feels like a lot more people are giving Francis love and respect. Uh, Anthony's yeah. giving him love and respect. He can't sneak up on people. We know who he is. I, I'm, I'm dreaming of this, Matt. Like they're just, it feels bigger in that way because he's getting more love and yeah. respect. The stakes are bigger. It seems like he wins this fight. He could be fighting for the undisputed belt next. Your, your just immediate reaction and thoughts to this matchup after what you guys did in October. I'm just so proud of him. You know, like, Last January, we sat here and we relinquished our belt. We, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty what was going to happen. But um, again, like you know, I said on your show last time we talked about this. Like, I, I, I trust the next chapter because I know the author, and he's the guy, man. Like, just stop doubting him. Stop doubting Dewey. Stop doubting myself. Like, or keep doing it because it's motivating <laughs> for us, you know. And um, this fight in particular, I think, is very, very different in a lot of ways stylistically. But also to your point, Ariel, like we're not going to sneak up on anybody now. Everybody can kind of see what Francis is capable of. With that being said, I think there's still a lot of things that we were um, not able to show that Francis is capable of that we didn't show in the Tyson Fury fight. And also the improvements is, that he's going to have in a, in a second camp, uh, in, a, in a second boxing camp. Just still, um, This fight in particular, man, I think is pretty cool because uh, I, I think Joshua will be there more often. I, I think he'll be in front of us more often, which is going to allow for more fireworks, man. And I think both of these guys are uh, going to bring on a big show for the, for the fans. I think AJ is a better matchup for Francis than Tyson was because of uh, Tyson's movement, his length, just the way, you know, just the way he boxes. Do you agree with that? hundred percent, hundred percent. I do, you know, and, and look like Joshua is, fights very well behind his jab. He sets it up very well. You know, the high low jab to set up his overhand, like, like Chris, absolute top notch basics and basics win fights. And this guy is very, very good all around, but it's not like the same thing with, with, with Tyson and trying to hunt him down and corner him and, you know, get him in the, you know, put him in the corner post to limit some of the movement. Whereas I feel like Joshua is willing to be there in the pocket and he's going to be, he's going to be willing to, to, to fight Francis in the center, you know? Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I think it, it, it stylistically, it makes a better matchup for us. And, uh, you know, we, we, we know, we know the one thing that Francis has is the, is the grand all equalizer is, the, is that power in both hands. And that's, uh, that's our opportunity to go put this guy away. True or false. Francis fights in MMA in 2024. Um, I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. I, I, I think that timeline wise, this gives us March. Um, even if you, even if he decides to box again, maybe the summertime, I think that maybe by the, by the, you know, fourth quarter, you know, 
I think that 2024 will, will, will get a fight in an MMA. It, it's still his passion. I know he loves it. I know he, I, I know he still wants to um, continue to evolve. But right now, like, you know, I, I love what Don Davis said prior, man. Like, what a great perspective, right? Like, this dude is is a, gl- a glass half full guy. Like, this guy is like, man, like, everything he's talking about, I, I see progression. And it's no wonder why that this, this guy's a, you know, the leader of a big company. Um, it's all about what's right for the for the fighter and what's right at that moment. And right now, this is what's right for Francis. If you stack up all the opportunities for Francis and you and you say this is your best opportunity right now, he's going to take the best opportunity available for him. And furthermore, you know, let's say we go out and beat Joshua. What's next? Okay, you, you're going to have to maybe we have to fight the the Fury Usyk winner, right? And and we want that rematch versus Tyson now, right? So there's there's so many opportunities for Francis in the boxing realm. Had he gone out and just laid an egg, which he didn't do, you know, the opportunities would be much different. But you know, our guy went out there and did his thing, and and uh, now he's he's reaping the rewards. What a time, uh, Coach of the Year! You start off 2024 with a Sean Strickland. Title defense, uh, uh, Francis Ngannou, massive fight announcement, fighting in, in a couple months. And, you know, as you said, your, your, your guy, Chris Curtis, in a very tough fight against Marc-André Barrio, who's a very tough Canadian. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy Canada. Enjoy Toronto. Beautiful city. Maybe not so much in January due to the weather, <laughs> but uh, hopefully they treat you well over there. And best of luck to you guys on Saturday. Appreciate you, my brother. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Eric. As always, there he is, Eric Nixick, the head man over at Extreme Couture. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Tremendous stuff, as always, from him. So many texts here. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, let me just see. I just got a video here from Rose. Should I play it? Um, she is. Ready. Okay. She's on the mat saying, I'm ready. So there you go. Uh, tremendous stuff. And exciting stuff there from Eric Nixick. I am uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that very much and looking forward to talking to Rose, who will be joining us in a matter of moments. Our last guest of the day will be Jim Miller, who we found out uh, late last night that he is getting his UFC 300 dream fight. Yes, he just wanted to be on the card. He didn't really care who it was against. Names like Paul Felder were thrown out. Uh, names like Matt Brown were thrown out. He ended up getting Bobby Green. And that's a fight that had been booked, I believe, twice before. Now they're finally, hopefully, going to actually make it happen. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. So I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Jim Effin Miller, a.k.a. Jim A10 Miller. And, of course, we have many more questions to answer and we'll get to those appreciate everyone on the Substack. a lot of activity today or yesterday as well 119 
questions and comments. That's pretty good. Last week we had 149. How about that? Uh, no word from Central C, by the way. Some people were asking if you saw my clip of, uh, you know, rapping uh, a couple lyrics of his. Uh, no word just yet. And I do believe that they are kicking off over in Blackpool. Is that right? We kind of screwed up on that one, GC. We should have had the... Uh, we should have had the uh, the graphics ready, but I do see here, I just went to ESPN.com, Pascal Siakam going from the Raptors to the Pacers? Wow, three first-round picks. Man, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a huge trade. I mean, all yeah. of a sudden. Confirmed uh, by very old Joe. Joe confirmed it? Yeah. Wow. Joe Bomb. Uh, that's a huge deal, especially considering uh, Pacers are a young, hungry, fun team led by Tyrese Halliburton. But you don't want to hear uh, those thoughts. This is an MMA program, so let us get to our next guest. Always a pleasure to talk to Thug Rose. Excited that she is back March 23rd at 125 pounds against Amanda Hebus. I just saw her on the mat. Let's see where she's joining us from. Oh, she's all cleaned up. Hello, Rose. How are you? That was like four minutes ago. You look good. How's everything? Yeah, uh, we even got uh, showered up. We got lunch. We came back to hotel. Got framed up. You know, <laughs> you did it all. Pros, I yeah. appreciate it. Superhero. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Uh, as always, great to talk to you, and great to see that you are back. Um, and so, uh, could we actually start the last time we saw you several months ago? Because we haven't talked since. Just curious about your finger. That was some gnarly stuff in that fight in uh, <laughs> France. How how is it doing? Oh, okay. Oh wow, it's still a little <laughs> it's still bit. Yeah. What was it? Like, what yeah. happened? Um. So probably within the first minute of the fight, I would say, I, I'm, I think it's around the first minute, Uh, you can see, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> One minute and five seconds. Damn. I went through like a sprint step right hand, Um. but my my glove was a little wide. Um. My hand probably was a little loose, too, and my uh, pinky just caught right on her forearm. And uh, it just, yeah, it just jammed my my pinky, and I knew instantly something was wrong. Um, yeah, so I was like, oh man. <laughs> so I think I I probably spent the whole first and second round just kind of like dealing with that in my mind uh, and trying to, you know, just work through that. Um, but I still, and it was crazy because I was still trying to like hit with this sometimes, and it would just it would just like make it even worse. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so we got through it though. I was, and then it was funny because like by the end of the fight, like in the third round, I was like, I I switched lefty and I started finding my left hand and I was dropping her. I was like, ah oh, man, I wish we had two more rounds. <laughs> um, afterwards, no, you didn't need surgery or anything on that, right? No, I and it was crazy because like I just thought like they said it. So right after the fight, they they set it back in place. And um, and then they basically just said, like, you know, I think it was like six weeks in a splint or whatever. But then it wasn't until like a month later that I went to I went to see J.J. Aldrich fight. And then the doctor was like, oh, you're that looks terrible. You're going to need surgery on that. So I was like, <laughs> I got all stressed out about it. And then I ended up seeing a hand specialist. And then they said that I didn't need surgery. The, the only thing that surgery would really do is just make it a little more straight. But it would run the risk of not mm. being able to make a fist. So it was like, it, as long as I can make a fist and I can grab with it and it's strong and it's not going to like, you know, like whatever it, it, uh, the doc said, it's not even nothing that you can make stronger. So it's just like, you know, you just gotta, you just got a little crooked finger, but 
it's all all good. Which does, is what I thought in the first place, and then yeah. <laughs> does it bother you now? Um, I mean, it's a little stiff, I guess, sometimes. But like, as far as just like, um, and and when I first started back to like sparring and whatnot. Um, with the MMA gloves, it was definitely something that I was like thinking about, like making sure I'm placing my hand in the right spot, not like hitting elbows or anything. And um, but at this point now, it's like I don't even think about it. I just I do have a little splint that sometimes I I put it in or I'll like wrap it just to like kind of reduce some swelling sometimes. But um, yeah, it's 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 fully fine. It's just sometimes a little stiff. But other than that, it's cool. There was some talk after that fight. People were wondering out loud if that was going to be it for you did that ever cross your mind um no it was funny because <laughs> i as much as like uh i've had those thoughts like all the time but this was the first time after a fight where i actually wanted to get in there right away and i was actually kind of you know i was kind of frustrated that my pinky was all messed up cuz i was like i was ready to go like mentally so so yeah i mean i i guess uh I guess I always throw people for surprises. <laughs> what do you attribute that to? Why do you feel like you have uh, maybe like a newfound vigor when it comes to your career? Yeah, I think it's because, um, I don't know, I've just been working through a lot of things spiritually. Like God's been changing a lot of things. Like I, I've been changing a lot of things in my life. And and I just, I, I feel like I'm at a point right now where it's like, oh, I figured, I feel like I've figured some stuff out, you know? And uh, it just you know, it just didn't go my way. So it's like, ah, but I, it almost like gave me more fuel, you know what I mean? And, um, whereas I, and I know that, um, I'm 31 now, so I mean, I don't have like the most time, but I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm right at that spot where it's like, like physically and mentally, I'm like, I'm, I'm still feeling really good physically. And, and, um, and I just, I feel like now's the time, you know? So it's just like, it's really exciting because one, it's like, you know, I, I've achieved everything that I wanted to achieve at 115. And, and this is kind of like my, you know, like, sort of like last on my to do list as far as like my MMA career, like, I just want to, I want to make some noise at 125, get that belt again. And, you know, that would, that would be super cool, you know, and uh, wherever God leads me, that's where I'm going to go, you know, and just kind of leave it up to him. But, you know, that that's, I, I just, I know, I've got, I've got a certain amount of time. I'm going to make the most of it and I'm going to do whatever I can, you know? When you say that you've kind of figured some stuff out in life, can I ask what you're referring to? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so much, uh, for the last two years I've been, I've been taking care of my grandmother. Um, so that's been like a huge maturing process because she's 86 and, um, she doesn't, she, I mean, she speaks very broken English and <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's, and, and as far as like, if anybody, you know, that knows me and my, you know, emotions and stuff, she's, she's a lot like me. Cause I get everything from her. So it's like, <laughs> so I'm like dealing with myself times a hundred, you know, kind of a thing. And, um, so like, that's been a huge, like life changer for me. Um, just, uh, one, I mean, there, there's a bunch of stuff I, I, I feel like, you know, maybe I'll be able to talk about later, but one, I guess one thing that I've like really improved on in my life is, um, you know, I got, uh, I felt like it necessary. Like I was being convicted by, you know, God that I needed to stop drinking caffeine, which, I mean, it seems kind of like a silly thing, but like, it really was a big deal for me. Uh, like I just really, it was like a really big crutch for me. And so, um, so now I just lean on, on my spiritual strength to give me energy rather than, 
you know, some outside source of caffeine, which is crazy because if you were to tell me that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had a sip of like any type of caffeine, I'm talking like just tea or anything, like I would have thought you were crazy. Wow. <laughs> and I'm sitting like, yeah, so it's kind of nuts because I always like wanted to get off of it because um, I <clears throat> like, I would notice that I have like a little more elevated blood pressure anytime that I would drink in a lot of caffeine, but it was, it was, I was addicted to it. And so, and I, now I'm dealing with my grandmother who, you know, she has like, you know, blood pressure stuff. And so, um, so I'm like, I want to take care of, it's not just for like, just for sport, right? Like, I just want to live like a healthier whole, whole, like holistic lifestyle, like starting now, like, I don't want to wait till, you know, I'm like older. So, so just things like little maturity, things like that, or just like being careful about what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, like trying to just fill myself with like good things rather than like, like there's just so many things we don't realize that are so like demonic or things that aren't like, like good for us that we, that we ingest all the time, not just like through our mouths, but you know, just watching things or listening to things and, you know, just trying to be more of a loving person, trying not to like, you know, engage in like gossip or things like that, you know, just like stuff, mm -hmm. trying to be like a better person in general. So, um, so yeah, I'm, uh, trying to think like, you know, there, I know there's like a bunch of other things, you but got, I you saw know, you got baptized as well recently, right? Yeah, I did. I did. So yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was baptized as a baby and then I was baptized, um, by, you know, uh, my stepdad, like when I was a little older, but he was a very, you know, if, if you ever watched my documentary, you know, he was not a good man. He was very abusive and things like that. So, and it's crazy because from that, like I, you know, there's a whole, uh, I guess, spiritual, you know, journey after that. But, and then for a while, I kind of fell away from my faith and then I ended up, uh, coming back to it, you know, later on in my life. And, and then everything kind of just came a lot clearer. So I wanted to redo that and rededicate myself um, and just to kind of wipe away, you know, and become born again and renewed and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's more symbolic than I feel like the actual changes was happening before that. But it was just like a really just like, you know, public commitment to to like my faith now. So so it's just like every day just trying to, you know walk the narrow path but it ain't easy and i'm i still got a lot of work to do but you know that's that's where i'm that's where i'm going you mentioned uh you know you've done what you've done at 115 there's nothing really left there anymore uh you were champion multiple times so 125 is a new thing you can uh, become champion there for the first time now that you've had that yeah. one 125 pound fight under your belt how did you feel out there? Did, did you do you feel like you need to add more muscle? How did the body feel without having to cut that extra weight, but obviously fighting a weight class above? Yeah, I uh, I actually felt really good. I, I felt like um, now I'm even a little more like solid. Uh, I had a little bit more, um, a little more fat on me, but it wasn't like a whole, like a ton or anything. It was just, I, I definitely was a lot leaner at 115, but um, but now I feel like I'm this I'm a little bit bigger and a little more solid too, and so um, and I'm just more accustomed to to you know I guess uh, moving around at this weight as well because that's another thing once you put on that size you got to be also be able to have a little bit of endurance and that's what my goal is is like to because I do feel like um, even though it is like more work overall 
you know, fighting at a little bit heavier of a weight class, but um, I feel like over time I'm able to uh, have more endurance uh, because these other girls are, you know, a little bit bigger. So they're moving around more weight. So I just feel like, you know, but now it's like, I'm, I'm getting into that balanced sweet spot where now it's like, I don't want to get too big because now I don't want to be cutting the same amount of weight as I was at 115 because it, it was getting kind of rough. And so like now as I sit, it's like, I can't even imagine trying to go back down like I could, but I'd have to be, I'd really have to be starving and running a lot. And <laughs> it's just like, Ooh, I don't, it doesn't seem like a healthy, healthy thing to do. You know, did you like this, uh, this opponent when, when offered Amanda Hebus, was this, was this someone you had in mind? Yeah. yeah Amanda. Um, I like, I like her a lot. Um, I mean, I, I think I've met her like once or twice before. Um, you know, she's always got some good energy, but, um, she comes to fight. She's she's uh, gonna give it her all every second of the fight. So you know that's that's probably the the biggest I guess danger that she poses. Um, you know she's got some good techniques, but overall I I just feel like I'm better everywhere. So I know I'm better everywhere. You know, and I just have to I just have to maintain focus and discipline, and uh, you know just just, I guess, uh, stick to the game plan and, you know, get her out of there whenever I can. How about, uh, fighting at the apex? Um, which off the top of my head, I don't think you fought at the apex yet, right? Uh, you, you're a big time fighter. You've been fighting in front of crowds. And so this has a little less buzz hoopla. Is that something that you're excited about that it's just about the fighting or would you have preferred to fight in front of a big crowd? Um, to me, it didn't really matter. Obviously a big crowd would be like, I used to not like, like I used to be like, all right, less the better. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I've kind of like gotten accustomed to the big crowds. Whereas, um, you know, I've been, a, I, I've been on like big, big shows too with titles on the line and things like that. So it's like, you know, it, it is a little different, but, um, to me, what was important was the timing of everything because I didn't want to wait too long, but I also wanted to have a proper training camp and make sure that I'm like a hundred percent ready. So, um, and so th that's what the date they gave me. And I, I felt like March at the end of March was like perfect for me. Um, so yeah, if it, if it, but to me, like if it's not a big crowd or whatever, it's like, that's fine too. Um, it's just a little more intimate setting. It just kind of, you know, reminds me of uh, the ultimate fighter or even like, um, like when we fought in Abu Dhabi and, and fight Island, like there wasn't really much of a crowd there either. That was just like a whole different experience, but um, yeah, like it's just kind of like the ultimate fighter, you know, you just, you can hear your corner a little bit more, which I mean, not that Pat has any trouble carrying his voice, <laughs> but you know, like it's just, it's just nice. Um, but yeah. And I think like the cage is a little smaller, so, you know, it's more wall work. <laughs> and so yeah. it's also, uh, I think good timing for you because March 30th, uh, Manon Fioro and Aaron Blanchfield are fighting and then we just found yeah. out recently, April 13th, Zhang Weili is fighting Yan Shanan. So I always think if you want to be a contender, it's good to fight around the same time as the other top contenders and the champion, of course. And so I'm wondering, you win this fight. Do you, do you put yourself in that? You just fought Manol. Do you put yourself in that conversation? Do you feel like you're going to have to do a lot to get to the title shot? Or do you think it's just one or two to get into that picture? Yeah, I guess it really depends on how, how the per performances kind of, you know, stack up. Obviously, like, um, I know that I lost to Manon on paper and I, I you know, I, I definitely take that loss, but, um, you know, but at the same time, it was like, I was fighting her with one hand, like it was a very close fight. 
you know, so, and I showed the ability to, to, you know, really cause some damage in that fight. So to me, it's like, you know, depending on how she does versus Aaron Blanchfield, I don't know. I mean, I guess it really kind of really depends. I mean, to me, it's, it's not like the most of my concern. Um, and I know you said Whaley, I mean, she's at 115, but I don't know if she's, oh, I don't know what she, I her screwed that up are. again. I did that. I <laughs> did that. Oh my God. I always do this. Why do I always do this? Uh, Alexa Grasso and Valentina. Yes. Why do I always mix these? I always mix these two up for some, I think I'm getting old Rose. This is what's happening to me. <laughs> I think I've determined I mean, this. I don't know if Whaley wants to move up or something. I know she wanted to fight Alexa or whatever. So by the way, you did that yeah. in such a, a polite and respect. Thank you for not making fun of me. I, I, I could see you sort <laughs> of trying to do it in the most graceful way possible. Yes. I screwed that up. My bad. Apologies. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but no, I'm, I am excited for that fight too. I'll be, I'll be watching, but um, but no, I, um, uh, I guess it really just, you know, I just got to focus on making sure that I, you know, m put on the best performance that I can. And if, if whatever, I guess, whatever I got to do to get there, I will, you know, and, um, I just kind of take it one step at a time, but yeah, the focus is, is just put on a good performance. And, you know, I think that if I do that, then anything's possible. Would you have any, uh, reservations about fighting Valentina? Um, I mean, of course, like, I think it would definitely be like, she's, she's honestly like my favorite fighter. Oh, really? <laughs> my favorite fighter. Yeah. So I just like, so yeah, that would definitely would be difficult. Um, even just like saying that I would like fighter, it's like kind of weird, but, um, but I mean, at the same time, like I'm also like, as a fan, I would just, I, and, and training with her for so long, it's like, you know, I know practice is practice. So it's just like, you know, and fights a fight, this to two totally different things, but um, just as a martial artist, I'd want to test myself against her just because, she, you know, the way that, like, as I was coming up in the strawweight division, um, Joanna was the standard to me, Valentina, even though she's still not, like, she's not the champ right now, she's still the standard to me. So, you know, and I mean, Alexa is also very amazing too. That's not to like, you know, take anything away from her, but just the fan, like, I just, uh, I enjoy her, her fighting and stuff. Um, so yeah, like if she ever, I guess if she were the champ again, I would, I would appreciate that. But just like, just to have a fight, I guess, like, you know, that would have to be, I guess, the right circumstances. And I would, I would hope that, you know, we get, we get paid well doing yes, that too. Of course. Every time you fight, you should be paid well. Just yeah. curious, you mentioned your age and, and you're not old by any stretch, um, but you have, we've, feels like we've, we've been watching you and known about you for so long, Invicta and all that stuff before. Um, when you had long hair and you're, you know, hitting flying arm bars and whatnot, is it, is it wild for you that you're now a veteran? Like, are, do you think about that? Is that something that you're comfortable with? You know, you have these fighters, Aaron and, and, and Mano, who, you know, weren't on the scene when you were a champion. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you come to terms with that? Yeah, it is, it is weird because like when I, I mean, I definitely have like probably the, one of the more unique, I guess, career paths and, you know, journeys in this, in this fight game. Um, so like, I'm, I'm like young old, you know, <laughs> cause, uh, like I'm old in the fight game as far as, but then also like, you know, I have like a lot of big, big fight experience, but like maybe not like the most like little fight experience, but I have a lot of big fight experience. So even though like my record might look a certain way or it might not be like the most fights, but it's also like really big fights. So I just feel like they're kind of, you know, uh, I guess, you know, does different things to you and it, it, it teaches you different things. So it is kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, 
I'm just I'm just enjoying like where I'm at right now. Like I don't. It, but it's funny because like a lot of the I do. I can tell sometimes like just certain feelings that I would normally have like as a younger fighter or just other younger fighters that talk about certain things. I'm just like I feel like we're talking in like middle school terms or something like like it's just like it's like because, you know, it's just certain things get old and like and I'm just enjoying the training more than ever. Like I don't I, I don't. Like even today I practice like Wall Wednesday is like the the worst day ever and I'm like ten minutes into drilling I just got a stinger and I'm like all right I'm just thinking about what Greg told us like as a kid like I used to think like like because Greg Nelson used to always be like if you're injured you just gotta figure out how to you know like maneuver around an injury or something and I'm like because what if you're in a street fight and you know you gotta fight like that and I'm just thinking of my, and back when I was young I used to be like man. Like <laughs> I used to be like, that's stupid or whatever. But now I'm like, no, that makes a lot of sense. I got a stinger. I got to figure out how to, you know, how to manage with, with this stinger instead of just like, all right, I guess I'm just going to like, take it easy and just whatever. Same thing. You know, you get in a fight, you freaking, you know, you bust your finger up. It's like, you can't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You got to figure out how to defend yourself and, and not only defend yourself, but try to win the fight. So it's like, so now I just, I'm so much more seasoned. I'm so much more like tougher, like way more like, yeah, just little things that used to bother me. It's, it don't bother me no more. Like even just little drama and things like that. It's like, whatever, you know? I love it. There's a lot to learn there uh, for all of us. And it's great to see this, uh, this, this, this newfound or, or, or refound, if that's even a word, uh, enthusiasm and uh, vigor when it comes to your career. So welcome back, Rose. Uh, great to talk to you once again. Great to hear and see that you're in great spirits and in a great place. And looking forward to your return on March 23rd against Amanda Hebus. Appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. There she is, the one and only Thug Rose, Rose Namajunas, uh, kind enough to join us, as always. Uh, doesn't do a lot of those, and so I appreciate every time she comes on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, she mentioned her documentary. Her documentary is up on the UFC YouTube channel, and uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I hate to say it's a great watch because there's some tough things discussed there. There you see the, uh, the poster and, uh, you know, if you're a fan of hers, if you've been following her career for a long time, you may know about some of it. Um, uh, but it is worth the watch. I would say it is definitely worth the watch. It's uh, it's an important watch. And, uh, I would say that if you are a fan of hers and don't know about her story, then you got to watch it. You must watch it. Uh, it's an absolute must watch. So, um, thank you very much to her for coming on and looking forward to that fight. I, I always make that mistake. I think it's because I think it's because she fought at 115. She's now 125. Zhang Weili is at 115. She's talked about 125. Alexa Grasso, 125, has talked about 115. Tatiana Suarez, who unfortunately got injured, isn't fighting Amanda Lemon, has fought at 115 and 125. Back at one. There's a lot of stuff going on there, you know? The Venn diagram that is 115 and 125 is bigger than the Venn diagram that is MMA and boxing, if you ask me. Um, and so this, I, I, I actually, as I was saying that, you know I'm going to fixate on this, and she was very kind about not making me feel bad, but as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I'm getting it right, I'm getting it right. And then, of course, I screwed it up. Got to trust your instincts. Yeah. Well, no, because my instinct oh, was that yeah. I got it wrong. Don't trust your um, instincts. 
Okay, so great stuff there. We are humming along here, Frank. Great stuff there on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Is it still cold outside or yeah. has it warmed up at all? It is um, very cold. I wonder what I'm going to eat in Puerto Rico. What is the national dish of Puerto Rico? Anyone know? I believe it's Bacardi rum. <laughs> a little uh, duty-free? Yep. I like to shop at the duty-free shop. No, it's I like to stop at the duty-free shop. I think that's from a Seinfeld episode. Um, Empanadas? That's what I'm saying. Is that a thing? Okay. Beef or chicken or can't do pork? Yeah, I think, I think any, anything. Anything. Some sweet, some savory. Have you never had an empanada before? Of course, but I've only had oh. beef. I've had beef, chicken, cheese, or oh, yeah. vegetables. Um, but I didn't know if there was food. like an actual one that you must have. But I'll check that out. You think I'll get invited to the... Uh, the gym? I hope so, man. Get you on some pad work. Ah, that'd be nice. Maybe I could uh, stop by uh, BS with Jake Paul. Please. Frank, you going to come? I At least man. to the fight in March. Of course. Okay. I'll let him know. He was probably going to ask. You know, Nikki's oh, yeah. uh, sent the video, all that stuff. Um, all right. Uh, last guest of the day uh, was part of some big news late last night. Not too late here on the East Coast, but, uh, you know, around, I think, 8 or 9 p.m., we found out... Yes, it is happening. Jim Miller, UFC 100, UFC 200, UFC 300. What a freaking accomplishment. Unbelievable. Uh, most wins, tied for most subs, and just fought this past weekend against Mowgli Benitez. I mean, this guy, he doesn't stop. What an inspiration. It's incredible to see. He's kind enough to join us to talk about this amazing thing. Uh, hello, Jim. How are you? Still sporting the shiner there from a couple of days ago. I love it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No problem. Thanks for having me, Ariel. Okay, so uh, were you expecting the 300 booking to come just a couple of days after your fight on Saturday? Uh, kind of. You know, I, I figured that they would uh, contact me soon enough, um, you know, afterwards, because I know that they were trying to fill the card and, and uh, get everything lined up, you know, since it's a, a big event. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it all happened really fast on my end, too. I mean, I didn't. Uh, I didn't find out about, you know, the fight until probably about like four thirty. Okay. So it was, uh, yeah. In the cage on Saturday, you mentioned, uh, Paul Felder and it was great to see you mm -hmm. kind of mention names cause you're not really the call out guy. So it was like, you yeah. did it in the most <laughs> respectful way possible, but you did mention Felder. You mentioned Matt Brown, you even mentioned Brock, which is the one I was really pulling for. <laughs> that was the one that I wanted. Uh, Me too. <laughs> yeah. You went zero for three though. You got Bobby green. Yeah. Were you surprised it was Bobby green? Um, I, you know, not necessarily surprised, but, uh, you know, after, uh, our, our last attempt to fight each other fell through, I kind of told John Shelby, I was like, you know, maybe this fight's cursed. Like maybe, maybe let's stay away from it because we're over three at this point. So, um, you know, I'm not a superstitious guy. Right. But like this, this fight's been a decade in the making. I mean, we attempted it in 2014 he ended up getting injured. We attempted it in 2021. We both weighed in. He ended up, uh, you know, not having a good weight cut and, and collapsing during his, uh, his, uh, medicals. And then, uh, we tried it again in 2022 and, and, uh, you know, it ended up getting messed up again. So, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully crossing my fingers that, uh, we actually get to step into the octagon this time. 
does this fight excite you less than if it was Felder or Brown? And, and, and maybe because of that history, does it make you a little uneasy because weird things tend to happen when you guys are booked together? Um, you know, it, it, uh, my, my, my coaches were like, ah, shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they were like, you know, I've prepared for him for, for six months of, right. out of my life, you know? So, uh, I'm, I, I, I know what to expect with the fight. You know, uh, I like the fight. Um, it's the fact that it has fallen through a, a few times that, uh, makes, makes them a little bit uneasy. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, he's, uh, He's still in big fights. He's, uh, you know, he's ranked at the moment. So yeah, like, uh, I, I like the fight. I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just as fired up maybe if not more okay. to, to fight him. And just curious, did they, uh, did they explore Felder or Brown? Um, I don't even know. Okay. Honestly, Ariel, you know, it's like, uh, I got a, I got a text from Sean saying, call me. Next thing you know, I'm on speaker with him and uh, Dana and Hunter, and uh, they're like, Bobby Green. And I was like, you know that this fight, we've tried this a couple times. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, to be at this point and, uh, you know, in a fight that with a win gets me ranked again, uh, it's a pretty ridiculous uh, storyline. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, it's... Uh, uh, I like it. I like it. By the way, what's that phone call like? Like, did they make a big deal about the fact 100, 200, 300? Did you get some sort of like, or was it literally just like Bobby Green, you in, and then that's it? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my God. There was no like toast. There was no like nothing. Nope. Yeah, no, nothing. I was actually, I was, I was in the middle of the woods with my son. Oh, my God. You know, we went for a walk and uh, yeah. And I was like, uh oh, I got to take this. (laughs) At least you got service over there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so just curious about that. When when did the dream of 300 enter your mind? Because obviously 100 200 we knew about that, but you've been talking mm-hmm. about this for a little bit. But do you remember like when this started to become like a thing you were really starting to dream about? Um, I think I probably threw it out there in like 2019 maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, it and where I was at that point was was different where than than where I am right now, you know? Like it was uh it was more so like, okay, let's, let's throw out, you know, the finish line. And, you know, if I, if I, if I make it obnoxious enough, you know, like we will get a little press and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put it out there. Or it'll, uh, help me drag me along for a few more years. Uh, but where I am now, man, um, it's a completely different story. You know, like I, like when I originally mentioned it, it was to be my final fight because I was preparing, you know, uh, for like when I was preparing for 196, I was like, man, I'm just going to get through this and I'm going to ask Joe Silva to get me on 200 so that I can retire at 200. And, you know, I was in a much different place back then. Um, so, so then it was like, Hey, well, let's see if we can retire at 300. But again, now I'm, I'm five and one in my last six. Uh, you know, all those five being finishes and, uh, yeah, like, uh, I, I think I kind of figured out how to, to train and fight, uh, like an old man. So, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I've got a few more left in me and, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, uh, chugging along as long as I can. 
So when you say you figured out how to train and fight like an old man, you know every forty-year-old fighter out there is looking to like, okay, what is the secret? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, they're all asking. <laughs> yes. So what is the secret? How do you train and, and fight like an old man? You know, uh, it, a lot of it comes down to compromise, right? Like, so um, you know, one of the things that kind of kind of irked me about uh, the build-up for Tony's last fight, right, was that it was like, ah, eh, you know, he's got to remember who he was and this and that, and it's like, man, like he's not the same guy that he was in 2018. Right. Like, and, and I know that I'm not the same guy that I was in 2010. And, you know, when I was ranked in the top 10 and, and, on a you know, nine and one in the UFC type stuff. Right. So when I'm training now, it's like, all right, like my, my number one goal when I'm on the mats is to stay healthy. Like that's, that's first and foremost is not do anything stupid that I used to do as a young kid you know, because I was more flexible and recovered a lot easier. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm trained to fight somebody that's good at an arm bar or guillotines or this or that. And you, you start in those positions. You, you, uh, you know, are, are working out of that stuff. It's like, I've, I've got so many reps at that, that there's no sense in risking my, my health, uh, to try to get more reps in. So I try to be healthy. I try to be in shape. And those two things are easy uh you know it's like not not train with an ego and you know get on the get on the bike <laughs> you know get some get some rounds on the bike in and then it's like then i focus on being sharp at what i'm good at and and being able to you know fight to my style and the last thing i'm worried about is what my opponent brings to the table especially at this point i've, I've seen pretty much everything right like bobby green is like that that uh you know that rare puzzle that like nobody really fights like him, you know? So I I've seen, I've seen just about everything, right. Ex except, except like his style of boxing. But, uh, yeah, like I, I, I really, uh, learned how to kind of make those calls myself as well. You know, there's a lot of great coaches in the industry, uh, that, that care about their fighters and, and, you know, obviously want them to do well, they're, they don't, they don't know what the fighter's going through. And, you know, uh, as an older guy, like those, those rough days for me, they come a lot more often when I was in my twenties, it's one bad day a year on the mats, like literally. And now it's like, you know, week by week you might have, you know, might have a couple where it's like, okay, well maybe we're a little overtrained. We didn't sleep well last night, whatever. Something's going on this and that. So like, I've learned how to kind of throttle my training around the way that my body feels. And if it's, if I feel like it's not a good day to push myself, then I don't push myself. I, I get good reps in, I protect myself. I do some conditioning and that's it. You know, like I, I, I know that the dog is in me. Like I know, I know how to fight. I know how to fight hard. I know how to push myself. It's a matter of doing that on fight night, not necessarily doing it in training to, to try to prove it to myself. So, uh, you know, it, it's a difficult thing to do, especially as a fighter. Like you don't want to be a bitch, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want to be like, Hey, I know it's sparring day. I know it's today's, you know, shark bait rounds, this and that, but coach, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling it, but I think that a lot of my peers that have gotten hurt in, in, in training and those injuries that have pulled them out of fights, they probably knew. If they really were honest with themselves, they probably knew that that day wasn't the day to push or something was bothering them and they 
decided to push through it or, you know, pretend that it wasn't going on. The issue wasn't going on. Um, so yeah, so it, it, as silly as it sounds, it's like, it's about, you know, using my brain a bit more than my body at this point. Are there any lingering effects from the Lyme disease anymore? Anything you have to do on a daily or weekly basis? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Uh, you know, like my, my lifestyle is, is what it is, you know? And, and like, I, I eat very cleanly. I, 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 I don't eat a lot of processed food. I, I try to, you know, eat from whole foods as much as I can, uh, get a good night's sleep, try, really try to get that eight hours of sleep. Um, if I, if I fall off my diet, like I feel it and it, it, I get low energy, I, I get some inflammation, uh, you know, my joints, I, I get inflammation in my nose. Uh, you know, like feel it if I eat the wrong foods. Uh, and I don't know if that's just from being a 40 year old, or uh. if that's from the Lyme disease. Right. So like, it, I, I can't really say that I, I, I'm dealing with anything in particular, the things that were really kicking my ass, the, uh, the, the, the neural fatigue, right? Like I was so just zapped, uh, when it was bad. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't push myself. I couldn't sprint. I couldn't lift. I couldn't do anything that was like anaerobic. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely beyond that. Um, you know, I don't get the, the twitching that I had, was dealing with for a while there. I, I, uh, I don't have the severe joint pain that I, that I used to have. I mean, I used to be like mid round, you know, I'd go to stand up and I'd have to like brace on my knee and stand up like an old man. I'm, I'm making noises and stuff like, you know, well into a workout. Um, and, and I, I don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. I mean, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to say. It's really kind of hard to say if I'm those things are still there. I I pretend they are to to keep me honest, you know, to keep me on my diet and to keep me doing the right things and 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 uh, and not make those mistakes that could potentially bring it back. But uh, yeah, I, I I sure as hell hope that it's it's done. <laughs> If, if the UFC was an organization that did a number of events, it was just like, you know, boxing, they have mm -hmm. uh, top rank, this guy versus this guy, like the number thing wasn't a thing. Do you think you would have retired a long time ago? In other words, did the numbers kind of keep you around? So the goal of 200 and then the goal of 300 eventually came. Do you think you would have retired long ago if this wasn't something you wanted to accomplish? Uh, probably not. Probably not. You know, um, it, like, I, I kind of feel like I've, I've had a couple different careers packed into one, at least like physically, I felt like different fighters, uh, you know, and I, and I had that early part where I came in with a full head of steam, you know, um, you know, put, had a great record and, and was fighting these tough guys and, you know, and I dropped a few here and there, and, but like the way that I fought was a specific way, like just pure aggression, pure pace. Um, and then like, I fell into that middle part, you know, that, uh, that things kind of got taken away from me, that ability to fight like that got taken away from me. And so I was trying to like figure out where I was. And, uh, it, I felt like I started to get over the line early two thousand, early 18. Uh, but it still took me a, a uh, probably at least two years to kind of figure out how to fight 
you know, now, right? How to fight now at, you know, 35 and, and 36 as opposed to 26. So, uh, yeah, like I, I, I think that, um, I think I would have kept going, uh, without that, that, uh, you know, little thing, the little finish line that I put in my head, um, just because I was trying to figure out like how to do it. And it, it was there, right. It was always there. I was, I, I always knew that on my best days I could compete and beat anybody. Uh, it's just about making it more likely to have those good days when I'm stepping into the octagon. Is there any chance this is your last fight? No, no. Barring, barring like, you know, some stupid injury that, uh, you know, uh, knock on wood, uh, that, you know, like, uh, it would take, you know, years to get over. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel like, uh, I feel like I found a groove and, um, yeah, I, I think I got a, I think I got a few more, you okay. know, beyond this. I love it. Yeah, because I was going to say, why would you retire now, right? Like, you're you're on a roll. All right. <laughs> All right. You just subbed a really tough guy, younger guy on Saturday, mm -hmm. and uh, this is obviously a fight that you can win. Now you can uh, now you can really roll. So uh, I mm -hmm. love to hear that. Um, I'm curious about your take on Bobby Green. I know we talked about, like, it being booked and whatnot, but are mm -hmm. you at all surprised that he's coming back so soon after getting knocked out the way in which he was knocked out in December? Um, not necessarily, you know, uh, he's a, he's a fighter, man. Like he, 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 I get the impression, right. I don't, I don't really know him. I mean, we've had a couple conversations over the years. Um, like I get the impression that he loves us. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to put myself in other people's shoes when, when those, types of results happen from a fight. Um, you know, uh, so if he feels ready, if his team feels that he's ready, uh, then, then it, it absolutely doesn't surprise me that he's uh, going to hop right back in. Did you see that fight? And, uh, you know, the stoppage was very controversial because mm -hmm. I felt like it lasted 12 seconds too long. He being mm -hmm. the fighter that he is and a lot of other fighters were like, no, let me die out there. I'm just curious <laughs> as, as a, as a veteran, what did you think of that? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was that bad. Okay. Um, I thought it was horrendous. I, horrific. I, I, I thought it, it like he, he was attempting to move, you know, he wasn't doing a very good job. Uh, but it's not like he was like unconscious getting hit for a, a bunch of shots. So I, I, I wasn't too upset with the stoppage. Um, maybe a, maybe a couple strikes late in my opinion. Um, you know, it's, uh, we, it's, it's not a, it's not a, this is badminton, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so like we, we, we get into a fist fight. So, um, it's, that's, that's part of the game, unfortunately, you know, and, and we all, we all know that going into it. Okay. Fair enough. By the way, getting to fight in front of a big crowd, uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's fun, right? It, like, I know you probably don't care, <laughs> Absolutely. but you probably get up for it a little bit more than the apex, uh, you know, setting? Uh, definitely, definitely. You know, like, uh, there's, there's positives and negatives to the apex. Uh, in my opinion, I, I do like that it's in and out. Yeah. Like we, we, we're, we're not there a long time before the fight, get in, get wrapped up, warm up, fight, press, boom, you're out. Yeah. 
And it's like, okay, well, you know, the, the, I, I enjoy that because there have been events in the past where you end up going to a pre- press conference after the, you know, main events done, you know, on the East coast. And yeah. it's like, you get out of the press conference at three o'clock in the morning. Um, but yeah, fighting in front of a big crowd is, is, is awesome. Um, you know, uh, I, while the fight's happening, I get such tunnel vision uh, that I don't really hear what's going on. It's kind of just white noise. Um, it's those moments in between that things open up and I can hear the crowd and I can, you know, see the crowd type stuff. Um, you know, I can, I can still hear the crowd in between rounds for that first Lozon fight of, you know, whatever that was 12 years ago or wow. 10, 11 years ago. Um, and I've only fought outside the apex once since COVID happened. So, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it'll be cool to be back in front of a big crowd again, big octagon. Um, yeah. And, and to, you know, to, to be able to share hopefully a, a, a fantastic fight with a, uh, a big crowd there is it's, uh, it's cool, you know? And I don't know how active you are online, but you know, it's rare that MMA fans are unanimously on the same page. Everyone wanted you to get on this card and everyone rejoiced <laughs> last night when they put you on the card. And I think everyone wanted you as much as, you know, Mowgli's a great guy with a great family. Mm-hmm. Like I think people just wanted you to come out of that fight with a victory unscathed so that you can be on this card and there could be no roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you like, I don't know how many of these people even remember Jim Miller from the IFL. Uh, you know what I mean? And from the early days in the UFC and fighting on Facebook against Benson Henderson on the first Fox yeah. card and all that, like what a freaking yeah. run, man. It's unbelievable. It really is inspiring and a beautiful thing to watch to see all these fans from all these different eras come together and all root for you to get on this card and be happy for you. Are you aware of any of this? Do you look at any of this? Are I, you being told about this? Uh, I, I am. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely aware and, and I'm super appreciative of it, you know, like, cause it's, uh, the, the, the attention and the praise that I've gotten and the, 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 the fanfare it's for me being me. And that, that means that, that means a lot. Right. Like I, I'm not putting on a, some persona. I'm not putting on a show. I'm not pretending to be something I'm not, um, when I'm in the public eye in order to get people's attention. The attention that I'm getting is by this same guy that's sitting, I'm, I'm waiting for my daughter to get out of school, sitting, you know, sitting at the, sitting at the high school, like, I'm a father of four, a husband, you know, I've got a hobby farm and I fight in the octagon and have more fights than anybody and more wins. So like, uh, I've just, uh, I've just tried to be, uh, true to myself this entire time and, and be me. And, and, uh, I think, I think that it resonates, uh, especially this day and age. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool to, uh, to get the appreciation for that. Very well said. Two last very quick ones. Uh, will you be disappointed if you don't get into the Hall of Fame? I think you are a Hall of Famer. Your career is unique. Do you care about that? Um, you know, it for things that are post post fighting career, it's a that's a that's a big thing to be able to say. Um, you know, I'm still doing it. So uh, where I am right now, uh, um, I, I'm not I'm not concerned about it because I'm still competing and i'm still not done so there's there's still more story to write that uh might change the opinion of of people like daniel cormier <laughs> <laughs> you know so 
So, uh, like, listen, there's, there's still a lot of fight left in me and, and, and we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I, I've fought nearly three times a year in the UFC for the last 15 years. Uh, exactly. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts to think about. It's nuts to think that, that I have, uh, dodged so many bullets in training and in fights and haven't had to, you know, deal with a, a, an injury that kept me out for, uh, a year, like, or, um, you know, or, or dealt with any of that stuff. Like it's, uh, there has been a lot of luck involved. There has been, you know, I think, I believe that I was born to fight. So there's genetics involved, but there's, there's, there's been definitely designed. Like I have, I have designed my lifestyle to, to continue to fight and to, to, to be healthy doing this and, and, uh, and to try to make the most of it. So, um, there are definitely things of it that I've done that I think are unique. Um, and, and put me, uh, comparatively like to, to athletes in some other sports, you know, um, the Cal Ripken juniors and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, you, you're not getting into the hall of fame in baseball or basketball or, or football. If you're only in the league for four years, five years. Yeah. Um, and when you, when you start having, you know, more starts than anybody or, 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 you know, <laughs> you start topping a lot of those lists, it, uh, it becomes a lot easier, you know, and you might not have the Super Bowl championship or the, uh, you know, World Series under your belt. But uh, that's, a, that's a conversation that, that uh, I hopefully don't have to have in a couple of years. But, uh, you know, that, I'll, I'll put a lot more focus into it when I'm done. Yeah, and like you said, some of the greatest players of all time don't have rings. My favorite athlete mm-hmm. of all time, Patrick Ewing, never won an NBA championship, mm-hmm. and he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And your accolades aren't just longevity-based. Most wins, tied for most sub, that's like results-based. And so no yeah. one can take that from you. Last thing, uh, are they going to announce you? Is Buffer going to announce you as Jim freaking Mill? Is that, is that the official I, request? Are we doing this? I, that is, yeah, that's the official request. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, the thing is, is I haven't, I haven't talked to him. Okay. Uh, you know, so I don't know if he swears while he's working. I don't know if he, uh, yeah. uh is willing to do that, but it's, it's one time. Come on. Come on, Bruce. Yeah. Come on, Bruce. Let's go. It's one time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it would be, it would be awesome. Uh, it would, it would probably make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, you know, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think, I think it would be cool. And I think if we, if we press him with enough, uh, you know, uh, uh you know, just egging him on, right. Yeah, uh, a may- may- maybe a petition. Yeah. Yeah. Get a little pressure on him, but I think he'll do it. I think I'll do it. This is so lovely, man. Really, I, I couldn't be happier for you. You're an inspiration to old guys like me uh, who couldn't <laughs> even dream of doing what you do. But it's just after all these years to see you not only just as like a guy on the roster. You're not a token member of the roster. You're out there winning fights five mm-hmm. out of your last six. It's a beautiful thing. One of my favorite stories of the last few years. So congratulations Thank on the you, recent win and all the su- success that's coming your way. And then, of course, uh, getting on 300. What an accomplishment. 100, 200, 300. No one else can say that but you. And dare I say, no one else will be ever able to say that. There'll be no 300, 400, <laughs> 500 guys. So well done, Jim. Congrats and looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Ariel. Thank you for having me on. There he is. Jim fucking Miller. That's how they're going to announce him on April 13th. 
And uh, I feel like it's going to get done. What a guy. What a story. Who would have thought? I mean, UFC 100 was 2009. 2009. His debut in MMA, 2005. We're approaching 20 years. November 2005. So we've still got like 20 or so months, but still. Let's just round up. Oh, my God. First loss, Frank, November 18th, 2006. To who? Frankie Edgar. Frankie freaking Edgar. UFC debut, UFC 89, October of 2008 against David Barron. Let's go through this. How many of the guys that he fought in the UFC are still in the UFC? David Barron, no. Matt Wyman, no. Gray Maynard, no. Mac Danzig, no. Steve Lopez, no. Dwayne Ludwig, no. Mark Bocek, no. Gleison Tebow, no. Charles Oliveira, yes. Beat him. UFC 124, where? Montreal, La Belle Province. So there's one. Kamal Shalarus, no. Benson Henderson, no. Melvin Gillard, no. Nate Diaz, no, but still fighting. Joe Lozon, sort of yes. Unclear, but I'll put him yes. Fabrizio Camois, no. Yancy Medeiros, no, but still fighting. Cerrone, no. Dariush, yes. So I guess that's three. Danny Castillo, no. Chiesa, yes. Diego Sanchez, no. Takanori Goma, UFC 200? No. Joe Lozon again? Yes. Tiago Alves? And then what about this run? Poirier, yes. Pettis? Yes, sort of. Trinaldo? Sort of. Dan Hooker? What a stretch that was, man. Uh, Alex White, Charles Oliveira again. Jason Gonzalez? Wow, this is a crazy... There's still like half the page left here. Uh, Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, Roosevelt Roberts, Vince Bichel, Joe Selecki, Eric Gonzalez, Nicholas Mata, Donald Cerrone, Alex Hernandez, Jesse Butler, Mowgli Benitez. Golly, what a run. This is, I'm bad at math, 54th fight. 54th fight. No, 55th. That's unbelievable. What a run. Okay. Um, love that stuff. Ugh. Live for that stuff. Those are the conversations that make me love this job so much. Uh, tremendous stuff there. Let's go back to the questions because we still have a few left here. And, uh, well, I did, I, I'm really proud of my job as a moderator, so I want to be able to... <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, Corvette. Hey, Ariel, with Gaethje defending the BMF title against Max at UFC 300... Will we see defenses of the BMF become a regular recurring thing? I think the BMF is like that thing behind the glass and it says like break when there's an emergency. I feel like that's the BMF title. Like when they need it, it's a great, when they need a title fight, when they need a fun fight, that's what they break out. So no, I, I don't think so, especially if it gets tied to an actual champion. But, you know, once a year, I could see it becoming a thing. And it's especially a thing when they need a title fight. Like in Utah, like 300, when they need a title fight, it serves its purpose. Uh, Wa MMA fan. Hey, Ariel and team. Hope you all doing good. And go Bills. My Raiders are out, so I'm rooting for the Bills. With Max Holloway moving up to 155, do you think if he wins at 300, he stays at lightweight? I kind of think so, yeah. To Rick's point earlier, you know, fresh set of matchups. If Volk wins, of course, on February 17th, then I think it's a lock. If Volk wins on February 17th 
and and Max wins on April 13th, then wh- why go back to 145? You know, there's there's always going to be someone. Oh, Josh Emmett is there. Great. And I heard there was some talk of Josh Emmett, but I think he's a little bit banged up or unavailable. So there's always going to be someone. But here you have a situation where if you beat Gaethje, you just beat arguably the number one contender. Why would you go back down? You have all these great fights. I mean, Islam versus Max, sign me up. I'll watch that. Hell yeah. So again, I just want to stress, because we talked about it earlier and I was a little bit, you know, negative Nancy. Of course, Justin Gaethje and Max Holloway are fighting right over there on the corner of the street. I'm watching. They're legends. They're greats. They never disappoint. I was just wondering about the timing because Gaethje was so close, because Max was so close, all that. But uh, yeah, if Max wins, huge, 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 because it's a whole new path that has now been created for him at a whole new weight class. Vincent, Patty, hello, MMA Hour friends. If Jim Miller defeats Bobby Green at 300 and calls it quits, is his retirement going to be better than Lawler's? That's an interesting thing because Lawler was a UFC champion and, uh, you know, he had those runs and those fights with the likes of Rory and Condit and whatnot. Uh, he deserves it. And I, and I really strongly feel that he's a Hall of Famer. I know there was that DC comment and people have been debating this. Like I said, Patrick Ewing, my favorite athlete of all time, first ballot. Um, my second favorite athlete of all time, well, I'd say my favorite football player of all time is Thurman Thomas. Hall of Famer, never won a ring, unfortunately. Jim Kelly, never won a ring. Andre Reid, never won a ring. Charles Oakley, didn't win a ring. Uh, John Starks, didn't win a ring. Uh, wow, all my favorite athletes, never won rings. How about that? Uh, but, you know, Vladimir Guerrero, didn't win a ring. Uh, and these are some of the greatest players in their respective sport ever. And, yes, it's a bit of an... Charles Barkley, one of the greatest players ever. Carl Malone, one of the greatest players ever. Never won rings. Uh, and, and, and so that is to a degree, somewhat of a knock, but it doesn't take away from the career. It doesn't take away from the accomplishments, from the resume, from the accolades. And so, yes, up until this point, has Jim won a UFC title? No, but right now he's the leader and wins tied for most subs. And then the amount of fights is unbelievable. How is that not a hall of fame career? It's not just about titles. Guess what? There are people who have won belts who don't have half the career that he won or had. And has had and is having. So I think it's a it's a crazy take. He is a Hall of Famer. To have that kind of longevity is one thing, and then to have that kind of success is another. And at his age, doing what he's doing, and then the records, he is a Hall of Famer. Uh, also, if I may, last week I asked a very long question about Connor regarding his last two fights, and I'll try again. As the UFC is part of a publicly traded company, how important is it for them to at least be affiliated with Conor fighting or not? How do you think this will all play out if you'd had to guess? Thanks for the show. It truly lights up my week. Thank you, Vincent. It's a fantastic point. Conor McGregor has two fights left on his deal. They want him to fight in June. Hmm, interesting. Not April 13th. Okay, why June? Well, they think 300 is going to sell, perhaps. Don't want to divvy the pie, perhaps. By the way... I wonder if our friends over at the uh, the kingdom are going to say, give us Connor on that June card. We get Tyson, we get AJ, we get Francis, we can't have Connor? Hmm, something to follow. But two fights left, you're going into a year where you're about to go on the market with your TV deal, you want to be affiliated with Connor McGregor. So this is going to be one of the stories to watch, especially back into the year and 25. 
Do they re-sign Connor? Does he walk away? Does he do a deal to go on his own? Does he fight Diaz outside of the UFC on his own? Does he fight in Saudi Arabia? He's the only guy on the roster that could really do this and sell over a million buys. And so, yeah, I do think it's important when you're re-upping with Disney, when you're talking to Amazon, when you're talking to Apple, when you're talking to God knows who else, uh, WBD, saying, yeah, we got Conor McGregor for at least a couple of fights. We got him for at least a couple of fights, and uh, you're going to get a million-plus pay-per-views like that. So, yeah, I do think it's really important, and I do think they're going to try to drag this out a little bit. I really do. And by the way, speaking of something like that, what about those comments from Don Davis regarding Kayla Harrison? Very interesting. And um, a little bit, you know, Chris Cyborg and I were going back and forth. Chris said that uh, Kayla turned down the fight. Do you see what I mean when I said it wasn't 100% true the way she was positioning it? And then I asked her about Larissa Pacheco, and they... And, and I know I like Chris very much, but I know it's her her husband who runs the account for the most part, and so that's why I addressed it as Ray. And I'm just like, come on, you, you know what you're doing, and I get it, but like, let's not pretend that you're not above this sort of thing. You You buy URLs of your opponent. Like, you buy their name as a URL to troll them. So, like, you spinning the truth here isn't, isn't a crazy thought. You're trying to look good in the eyes of the public, and I get that, but I'm here to tell you the truth. The truth is, I think, I'd be curious to hear, I'll say this, I'll be curious to hear if Kayla and her team agrees with everything that Don said about the state of her contract. And um, if she is, in fact, injured, then the fight could have never happened. So it's either the contract or the injury. Both would say she didn't turn down the fight. Shane, good afternoon to the boys. With Saudi Arabia having the power to have fight cards moved and the ability to request certain fighters, could we ever have seen or could we ever see Saudi being the reason we get Jones and Ganu speaking it into existence, hoping Turkey hears this? I mean, did you see when I asked Don about this? You could see the the wheels were turning in his in his eyes and in his brain. It's like, wow, maybe. Look, if he could get Eddie Hearn, I think it's I think it's much harder to get. Dana White to agree to this than to get Eddie and, and Frank on board. They're way more open to co-promotion and to sitting at the same table. The hardest thing is going to be getting Dana on board with this. PFL's on board already. The big story to watch is the state of this relationship. The UFC gets site fees. People are clamoring to have them come to their town, to their city, to their country. And they're taking whatever they get. They just want the UFC circus to come to town. This appears to be the first time that a jurisdiction is saying, this isn't good enough. We're paying you top dollar. We're paying you crazy money, reportedly $20 million, to come to our country. We don't want a fight night. We get the best of the best from WWE. We get the best of the best from boxing. We get some of the biggest stars in the world of football and golf. We don't want a fight night. We don't want a regional fight night. We want a pay-per-view. We want the big stars. We want title fights, especially when you're bringing that to Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, this is going to be super interesting. And so they said, no, come back in June. What a story. What a story. So let's see. One of the big stories to watch this year. Ryan, Ariel and crew, hot tag. How about that Saudi card with the uh, sweating emoji? Thanks for all the great content. Yeah. How about it? Now, which one are you talking about? Are you talking about the PFL Bellator one or the UFC one? I feel like the emoji would suggest the UFC one. 
This is going to be interesting. You know, the UFC isn't used to playing in the same sandbox as others, and they've had to do this at ESPN with the PFL, and they don't like it. They would rather not. This is why they told their friends at BT, don't sign PFL, and BT, listen. With, with, with ESPN, they didn't have that kind of power. Do you think they want to be playing in the same sandbox as others with Saudi as well? With boxing, with PFL? No. They have never had to do this. Not at Spike, not at Fox, and not the early days at ESPN. And certainly not with arenas and, and cities and things like that. Not with Vegas. They don't play well with others in Vegas. We know that. As far as MMA is concerned, there's a reason why a lot of promotions have stayed away from Vegas. So... This is all a part of being, you know, the leader and the big dog. And you could say all's fair and, and, and love and war. But now you have someone who is saying, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want you guys to play nice together. I want that. I want that. And I'm going to offer you boatloads of cash. How do they handle that? Dana White, kind of guy, no doubt, that would say, nah, I have my principles. I know what I want. I know what I don't want. You can keep your money. And they're in a position to say no to that. What about all the other people? What about the rest of TKO? What about the other powers that be? So what a, what a story to watch. Floyd. Allo les gars. Salut. Floyd, your neighbor from Montreal here. Quick one for me. With the announcement of the huge PFL Bellator champs card yesterday, do you think it is a good move marketingly speaking, from PFL in Saudi Arabia to make this event on the same day as the UFC Mexico card, the 24th of February. Uh, well, the thing is that that main card starts at 10 p.m. Eastern. And so this is going to be over by then. So really, you're going to get like... You're going to get like 12 hours of fighting. From the prelims to the main card, seven fights, to then prelims in Mexico, to main card in Mexico... I don't think there's going to be much of an overlap. And remember, they're both on ESPN+. Plus, So it's in their best interest not to overlap. So I think it's going to be fine. Uh, he then adds in French, Restez tel que vous êtes, ne changez rien, hashtag keep it real, which means uh, stay as you are, don't change a thing. On vous adore, tout avec vous, vos différentes personnalités. Uh, we love you all. With all your different personalities, much love, GC, Rick, Mr. Frankie, and you, Thug Nose Ariel, happy New Year 2024. I appreciate that very much. Um, merci beaucoup. Blaine, Ariel and crew, with the news of Bellator versus PFL card becoming official, was there ever talks of Francis versus Bader? When does Francis fight for PFL and will he fight the winner of that fight? Who do you and the crew have winning the Ferreira or Bader fight? Um, I think the... Joshua stuff trumped it all. And they were kind of both happening at the same time. So I don't think that ever got serious. And I think Don's response to Francis's future with PFL and Eric Nixick's response, very interesting. I do feel there's a scenario. You see him bring up 2025. I do feel there's a scenario where if he wins this fight or even if he comes super close where he fights in boxing end of the year and maybe this gets delayed a little bit more. Um, so I, I wouldn't bet the uh, the mortgage on France in MMA. Do we ever see him in MMA again? I think at least once. But man, this is going so well. Why would you why would you get off this gravy train? Are there any odds out yet for the Pel uh the I was gonna say the Pelator? No, the it, it does actually sound yeah, like but, a good uh, name. Yeah. Should we trademark that? Yeah. No odds yet. Nothing, huh? Who would be the favorite in the uh Sheesh. I don't know. I'm gonna leave that to the odds makers to decide. 
which fight do you like the best on that card? And by pretty the way, excited, pretty excited for Evelyn Impa. Yeah, that's fun. I think that could be a sick one. What do you What do you guys think about the card? Like overall, I have to say, did you did you notice the same thing? I was really blown away by the positivity because it seems like anything you put out regarding PFL or Bellator over the last couple of years, it's met with ho-hum or the pay-per-view and the price point becomes part of the story and people are fixating on this stuff. I was blown away by the positivity and I wondered at the time, this is before the BMF title fight and the Jim Miller fight were announced, I wondered if part of that was like, man, UFC's not giving us what we want for 300 and people love the idea of champion versus champion and promotion versus promotion and they just were like, I don't know. I, I just couldn't believe the positivity. I mean, it's a fine card. Is it the great? It, does this stack up to three hundred? No, three hundred. That is, promo video. The promo video was good. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a good card. You can argue that it's the best card in PFL and Bellator history. Uh, certainly, PFL history. Bellator has had some bangers over the years, but I was just really, really surprised by the positivity because it just seems like there's so much negativity usually when it comes to uh, when it comes no. to the PFL and Bellator. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say any non-UFC fight announcements. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, there's a lot of good fights on this card. I mean, Clay Collard, AJ McKee, I feel like is going to be super fun. It's great to see Yoel Romero back. Uh, Vadim Nemkov, Bruno Capeloza. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good fights on here. I know, I know Rick's favorite fight. Tell me. What is my favorite oh, fight? Oh, yeah. Clarissa Shields versus Kelsey DeSantis. Let's Your quote. Go, baby. Let's go. The return of the quote. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, Aaron Pico, Gabriel Braga. Aaron Pico's an exciting fighter, man. Aaron Pico being on the prelims is fun. Uh, unfortunately, the Braga family suffered a uh, a tragedy with his father passing away um, recently. So our, our hearts go out to them. And so I saw some people wondering if he would actually be uh, on this card, but he was announced. So overall, though, you know, Collard McKee, I heard the original idea was Lochnane McKee, but uh, as... Uh, as uh, Don Davis mentioned, Lochnane Hurt. Santos Romero is kind of sneaky wild. The yeah, team that's a fun moving one. up to heavyweight. It's not bad. It is It is objectively a very high-quality card. I mean, you can reference Fight Matrix as Don Davis, <laughs> the, the, the number one fan of Fight Matrix in the entire world, uh, has. Um, there's a lot of good talent on this card. My problem with it is the same problem I always have, is that this does not need to be on pay-per-view. This needs to be a card that people can watch for free and start to invest in these fighters and care about them, and then down the line become a pay-per-view. That's my that's always my problem with these PFL events that are on pay-per-view, is that this product is not ready for pay-per-view yet, uh, unless you have Francis Ngannou or Jake Paul on top of it. If we're just looking at the card, independent of the business aspect of it, don't care about that, then... This is the best you're going to get outside the UFC. That's for damn sure. This is this is really good stuff. And and to Don Davis's point, better than many of the UFC's offerings. Um, so I I'm into it. I will be enjoying it. I will be watching it. But I wish more people could. Yeah, uh, that's why I asked that question because it seems like that's going to steal some of the buzz or positivity or whatever. But yes, ultimately, it's like it's like. The Chiefs Dolphins talk. People are like, "Why would you put this behind a paywall?" Which I thought that was a lot of belly aching, but I, I understand. I, un- I obviously understand. Um, UFC is offering a free card that night. Yeah, later on. That's later on. that's going to be a solid free card too. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. I I don't I don't I still do not get it. Um, but 
that doesn't change said it had what's to be that happen way. in that arena. He said it had to be that way. Okay. Which, which is interesting because he said it has to be behind paywall because it's the most expensive car. But if people don't buy it, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, our, our friend Ant Evans, who is uh, Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows on Twitter, that's a joke, <laughs> predicted 60K. Like, this could be less than 60K. By the way, if you're a less. combat sports fan, you got Furiosic on pay-per-view the, the previous week. You've got Francis and AJ on uh, March 8th. Uh, you've got UFC on March 9th. You've got February 17th, Volk and Taporia. It's sand and, and obviously, you know, 300 coming up and all that stuff. Like it's sandwiched. You know, it's 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 sandwiched between a lot of big uh big shows. Yeah. That are costing what, like 70 each? Something like that. Sorry, I'm just uh No, you're abs you're absolutely correct. I mean, it is it, it is my frustration with some of these events. I think if more people were able to see the PFL championship, they'd care more about this card. If more people were able to see this card, then they'd care more about the next one. There's 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 a rush to do this pay-per-view when look, I'm not inside their, their right. walls. I don't know the financials of this. Maybe these pay-per-views are smashing for them. I would be very skeptical. I'd highly doubt that that's the case. Um, but I would if if I was in this growth stage that they're in you're getting the money for the site fee from Saudi Arabia to put on the card. Make it free. Put this out there for You just for want your product to, to be seen by the most amount of people as possible. Right especially now, when, yes. Yeah, right now, when you're trying to break through. Uh, Unless it's Francis. Unless it's Francis or Jake. Right. Those are, the, those are the two exceptions. Proven guys that you can put on top of a pay-per-view and say, you're going to spend money to watch these guys fight. Hoochie. Hey, MMA Hour fam. Is His Excellency Turkey... And his pockets deep enough to fund a Francis versus Jones fight? How much would it cost? Who makes the call? Uh, I mean, yes, uh, his pockets are. But uh, the question is, you know, does the U we know PFL is in? Does the UFC want to partake? Uh, Jamrock. It seems that the questions that make the show for the past two months have been layups, and nobody's bringing the heat. Frank's just getting it today, man. So here it is. Here's the heat. Let's see if this is heat. If Strickland wins, will you please get him on the show? Or is he also blacklisted the same way Bryce Mitchell is? Strickland is hands down one of the most popular fighters on the roster, whether people like it or not. And it's a shame that he hasn't been on the show before or after the last fight, and especially now against Strickland. Not Nixick, not Curtis. We want Sean. Well, uh, Sean is not banned from the show, even though I think I would be in my, uh, you know, in, in my rights to to feel some sort of way because, you know, he's talking about my wife and all that stuff last time. Again, he says that there are lines and he has his lines and I have my own lines. That being said, I didn't ultimately have any issues. And I thought that our back and forth the last time was fun when you were saying that I'm not the guy who goes to the bar with the boys to watch fighting. And I thought that I kind of put him in his place there and it was all well and good. And you have to understand, like, that's just Sean. And I think he wants that type of interaction and it takes a little bit away from him he likes to be on the front foot so that he doesn't have to be on the back foot to ask or answer certain things. Um, and that's, that's his way of, of controlling the pace, so to speak, just like a fight. Uh, but I've asked through his people for him to come on since the Izzy fight, since even before the Izzy fight, but I don't get much of a response back. I saw him do an interview with Shaquille Majuri, and uh, out of nowhere, he called me a cunt. And uh, he said that, uh, I don't know about trauma, I don't know about this. Sean loves to talk about other people when he knows nothing about other people. 
um, and and he loves to to kind of compare himself and what he's been through to explain why he is different or better than other people. He knows nothing about me, clearly, based on his comments last time. But I, I, I sort of understand that's the way he is. Um, and so there's no, there's no beef there. I mean, I gave him all those awards. I've been very complimentary of him. The difference between Sean and, and Bryce, in my opinion, Sean came on and was just kind of playing the character and was going tit for tat. And I kind of, for the most part, like enjoyed the back and forth. I'd, I'd prefer if family isn't discussed, but, you know, we've been there before with Connor and Rampage and those guys. I feel like I don't take myself too seriously and, and, and can laugh that stuff off. The difference is Bryce t- tried to hijack the show. Bryce tried to turn the show into some, you know, platform for him to spew propaganda. Come on here and take shots at me in one thing. Come on here and start talking about Vegas being a hoax, Sandy Hook being a hoax, like, I want nothing to do with that. You came on with an agenda to hijack my show, and you asked me beforehand, is it live? Because you were probably worried that I would edit it, which I would never do, but I don't appreciate that. Come on and tell me when I ask you, hey, I want to talk about this and that, and then we can have a conversation. We can have a conversation about this. But what he did there, I thought, was was try to hijack the show and talk about something and, 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 and stuff that has nothing to do with MMA. That pissed me off. That, I felt, was a bridge too far. No one's really... And, and, and honestly, if, if, if Bryce... Like, Bryce is not banned. I just... I don't, I don't need to... Like, no one's tuning into my show to hear Bryce Mitchell talk about Vegas and Sandy Hook and sit there with his machine guns. You could get that in other places. But I, I love to talk about people's lives. Like, look at the conversation with Rose. I, I love to talk about everything but fighting with some people. I just don't like when you have an agenda to try to use my show to spew what I consider to be nonsense. Um, you want to take shots at me. You want to talk about life. You want to talk about your past. You want to talk about this. The conversation that we had with Sean, the first one that we ever had with him, I thought was one of the best conversations of that particular year because we got to learn about him. And the fact that he was someone who maybe thought about neo-Nazism and stuff like that, like to me, was not offensive at all. I think people... People love to call me a snowflake. They love to call me a soy boy, this and that. I'm a lot more like you than you think. It's just I don't, I don't try to flex on people. I don't try to be that guy who's Mr. Alpha and, and, and force these ideologies and these thoughts down your throat. Uh, I don't feel the need to do that. I'm not that insecure. And so there's a lot of things that Sean says that I actually agree with. There's a lot of uh, things that he says that I don't agree with. But I'm actually more interested in having people that I don't have much in common with on the show than people who I do have things in common with because that, to me, makes for the most interesting conversation. I talk about this all the time. The the, the moment that I saw Larry King interview Yasser Arafat, a Jew interviewing the head of the PLO, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, you're not supposed to just interview people who are like you. That's what makes a good interviewer. So there's no ban on Sean. Bryce and I have texted afterwards, and he's not banned. It's just, I don't feel, I don't know if I trust that he's going to come on and just stick to, you know, this lane right here. And I feel like on this show, the lane is pretty darn big. But, like, that was that was just a little bit too much. So I guess Sean doesn't like me for whatever reason. I guess he doesn't think I'm hard. I guess he doesn't think I'm tough. I guess he doesn't think I, I like to, you know, shoot guns and talk about stuff like that. I would say that he needs to, uh, you know, he needs to assume a little less. He's right about the guns thing. He's right about that. I, I don't, you know, I don't go out and shoot guns. Um, 
But I also do think we have a lot more in common than you may think, believe it or not. Uh, but in any event, he thinks I'm a cunt, and uh, that's fine. It's probably because of the 10-7, you know. He didn't think I went to the boys, the bar, been doing it since he was in his father's nutsack. I mean, it's hard to come back from that. So I get it. I get it. Jordan, with a win on Saturday, what percentage chance would you give to Arnold Allen fighting for the featherweight title next? Well, if Max is gone, a pretty big chance. He might be the happiest guy in the uh, in the division. What's up, Ariel? With the UFC coming to Toronto for the first time since 2018, will you be there? I will not be there. I'm going to Puerto Rico later today for the Amanda Serrano-Jake Paul press conference, and then I'm going somewhere else. And there was actually some talk of me going to Toronto, believe it or not. But then all this other stuff came up and a family thing came up. So unfortunately, uh, I will not be there. And uh, I know a lot of people like to talk about why I don't go to the uh, UFC events and they think they know the reason. I'll just say one day I'll tell you why. There, there, there are specific reasons why. And they are my own reasons, no one else's reasons. And it's, it's part of a promise that I made to myself after I left ESPN um, but now's not the time with just a few minutes left on the show, but I'll, uh, one day we'll have story time and I'll, uh, I'll shoot from the hip and from the heart and explain to you all why, but, um, not today and, and, and no, no Toronto for me, but, uh, this gentleman asks, what's my true opinion of Toronto? And, uh, I love Toronto. Uh, I don't hold, uh, any hostility or grudge towards Toronto. I know Montreal and Toronto have a rivalry, but. I like Toronto. Danny's Pizza. Danny's Pizza. Beautiful place. He also says, uh, RIP to my Steelers. Josh Allen is a beast, and you can't make mistakes against your Bills. Good luck versus the Chiefs. Thank you, my friend. Question for Ariel and the crew. Where's the most ridiculous out-of-pocket place you've ever attempted to watch a live sporting event on your phone? I feel like GC has to be the guy to answer this. Most ridiculous out-of-pocket place you've ever attempted to watch a live sports event on your phone? Uh, I mean, just this past summer, I, I was as we were waiting for the wedding ceremony to start. I was streaming UFC London. That was uh, <laughs> from like from the seats. Uh, yeah, and this was actually a no phone uh, ceremony. Like you were not allowed to have your phones out at all. So uh, I was the only one there with it. You know, obviously on silent, trying to sneak it in. Uh, wrote it all the way up until. Until the bride made the the walk down the aisle, and then I had to I had to put it away. Uh, almost missed the main event with Tom Aspinall, but yeah, there's been a lot of places, subways. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, every single restaurant you could imagine, bars, uh, airports. Shout out to the ESPN Plus app. All you need is the internet, and you can be watching UFC. Oh yeah, um, Marty. Given Bam Bam and Steve-O have been on, have you ever had any thoughts about bringing on Kyle from the Nelk Boys? Uh, shout out to Kyle, fellow Canadian. Uh, I don't know them well. I saw him say some nice things. Haven't thought about it much, but wouldn't be against it. Um, not not uh, not a hater. Uh, actually quite impressed and uh, blown away by what they built. So uh, certainly would be open to it and uh, think it would be a fun conversation. He also adds, additionally, Ali Abdelaziz has said he is letting go of all beefs. Wow. Uh, and going to be nicer to everyone. Have we tried to reach out or book dominance fighters? Uh, I didn't know that, and no one has reached out to me, and something tells me uh, I don't apply for whatever reason because uh, he has this fake 
fictitious beef with me that he needs to keep up in order to, uh, you know, in, or, in order to, to, to be in the good graces of his boss. So I, uh, I don't think that's happening, but uh, I would welcome it. It would be nice. Like I said, no beefs here. It's a no beef zone and everyone's welcome. We only have one life. We don't need that, uh, that kind of cancer in our body. Um, hello, Ariel. A short one this week. What did DP, uh, this is from Max83 from Germany, uh, what did he show you on his phone in the somewhat viral meme? Uh, well, I've been asked this question quite a bit. I was on a, uh, a show recently, the Overdogs podcast, and they asked me about this. Our guy, Mac Malley, asked me about this. Uh, I hate to tell you guys, there is no story behind this. He didn't actually show me anything. This clip that has gone viral is a edited clip. He was showing me something on his phone, and then they took that part, and then they took a part of him saying, like, oh, not that, and they put it together, and then they zoomed in on my face. None of this actually happened. Uh, this is all something that was just kind of concocted. So there was no, I don't know, I think people are thinking that I saw something that was personal or salacious or whatever. None of that happened. It's not real. It's something made up from the internet. I'm sorry to break the news. It's just not a good story. Um, okay, a couple more. Trin, I went to a Puerto Rican restaurant in Phoenix for the first time and had an absolutely fantastic experience. The chicken was melt-in-your-mouth tender. The empanadas were packed with unique flavors, and the plantain desserts were heavenly, yet not too sweet. With your trip to PR today, what's going in your belly while in our favorite U.S. Commonwealth? I don't know. I'll let you know, but that was a great little uh, primer right there. Thank you, Trin. I hope to try it all. That would be nice. Um, Mark, what's the crack, Ariel? First time asking a cue. How would you define your professional relationship with John Jones? I sometimes feel like you go a little hard on him. Yes, you give him his flowers, and you used to be boys. I just feel like there's some tension. Happy to hear your thoughts. No real tension. I feel like he doesn't like me. I think that stems from when he got arrested right at the beginning of the pandemic. I was on uh, The Daily with Pablo Torre. And uh, I said something about, I think, saying that, like, he's the greatest of all time if everything is included, but if you have to exclude people who have tested positive for PD, he can't be the GOAT, something like that. And he didn't like that, and he uh, tweeted something like, you know, the difference between me and you is that I'll be remembered forever and no one is going to remember you. And I was like, damn, that's pretty harsh. But uh, So that gave me some insight into how he feels about me or that comment. I've talked to him once or twice since on Instagram, but then the thing with Francis and he called me all kinds of names. So I don't know. I think over the years we've had like a up and down relationship, obviously big moments. And then, you know, there are moments where he didn't speak to me. Um, I'll never forget when we did the walk and talk in Albuquerque in 2015. I've said this, one of the worst experiences of my career because his team tried to get us to not post the interview or edit the interview. And I had to shut off my phone for 24 hours and just say, I'm posting this whether you like it or not, because I actually think it was a great interview. And then afterwards they apologized and said, yeah, you were right. Um, so you have to deal with a lot, but uh, no, I mean, he's incredible and he's given us great interviews and great access. And, you know, John has told me a lot of things over the years that I wouldn't ever dare say because you're told something in confidence, you're told something in private, you don't talk about it. So I think I've, I've, I've been very respectful and honest and professional towards him. And so, you know, that's really the best that I can do and just try to be honest about the trials and tribulations. I mean, he's certainly given us a lot to talk about over the years, and I don't think I've ever hit him below the belt or been unfair or kicked him while he's down. 
So I think we'll be okay. Um, impossible not to respect what he's done. Impossible not to respect what he's accomplished. And uh, I don't know if there's more to the story on his end. But, uh, you know, you sit here long enough, you're going to say a lot of things. And uh, I feel like, considering he's been in our sport for so long, and there's been ups and downs, I feel like I've been pretty fair and pretty, you know, pretty respectful and professional and uh, pretty honest when it comes to his career and um, have said a lot of great things about him. Ozzy, good day, Ariel. Big love from Australia. Question for you and the boys, when you eat out, do you pick sparkling or still water? I used to be a big sparkling guy, now a still guy. What about you guys? Massive sparkling guy. Love, love sparkling water. Frank? Still. I like still, but if I'm feeling fancy, sparkling. Okay. Yeah, I like still. It's just it's just a little too bubbly for my liking. Um, all right. Great stuff there. Wish I could get to all of them. Shout out to our friend Abay, uh, who gives us props for the AJ interview. Uh, I wish I could read all this, but uh, thank you very much to him and to everyone who sent in great support and uh, love and appreciation. I did want to also thank, and, and great questions, really. Thank you to everyone. Uh, I did want to also thank Chris Poen, who sent me this beautiful uh, holiday card, which I got on Monday, but I only opened today. And not only that, he was the guy who wore the Hiawani shirt on the UFC broadcast, and he made it on the broadcast, which was incredible. Uh, but also, he sent us these cookies, and in this card that he sent me, he said, I know Ariel is a germaphobe, and there's no shot he's going to try the sugar cookies. I commissioned my kick-ass mom to make, but I hope the crew enjoys them. She makes custom designer cookies as a hobby, and they're absolutely world-class. And so then, he also said, by the way, on this, P.S., if GC or Frank ever leave, we riot. Okay, well, I agree with that. And then we opened up the box... And look at these cookies, guys. Custom cookies. First of all, these are beautiful cookies right here. You see this? All individually wrapped. That's this the is... biggest part. The individually wrapped thing is just next level. Oh, talk about next level. Every cookie has a saying on them. Let me read these sayings for you, all right? First one, you know yourself. What? Second one, great guy, never met him. Third, what have we done here? Oh, my. Dicey, dicey. It's tough. C-O-Y-R. Come on, you Reds. I do believe up 1-0 last I checked. Shout out. I'd be remiss. Back in your life. Sheesh. Hashtag, or not hashtag, uh, backslash TFATK. And last but not least, fait accompli. I mean, this is incredible. This might be one of the most thoughtful things anyone has ever sent to me. Amazing. So uh, thank you very much. We will try them. I will try them. Very kind of you, Chris. I wanted to give you a shout out. And we've sent you back your shirt with a little extra gift in there for your kindness. Uh, I really do appreciate that. Really blown away. Um, What a guy. What a mensch. All right. We got the parlay boys picks, right? Uh, We just need to get your picks, GC, to round out the day. And I apologize for cutting the show a little bit short today. I don't think I have to apologize because last time I think we went to like five something, but uh, I do have a plane to catch. And so that's how things go. Like, what do you got? What do you got? Sorry for uh, for rushing, but there were just so many great questions to answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I get it. A lot of questions to get to. Uh, Nottingham Forest up 2-1 now. Oh, oh, oh what? 2-1. This has happened. Yeah, 65th minute up 2-1. This happened like when? When did this happen? Danilo scoring uh, in the 46th. Yeah. Oh, my guy, Danilo. Pew. 
We were up 2-0, though. Oh, my gosh. Okay, they just scored. Uh, all right, picks. We're going to Canada. Do we want them to the... win FA Cup? Oh, wow, look at this outfit. This is tremendous. Yeah, maybe. I mean, when did you put this on? Got the go. Why did you have? Wow. When did you get that? Uh, recently. By the it way, that's a Canada clever. Cup jersey. Yeah, how good is that's that? old school. That's like 1987. Yeah, I mean the Labatt. I mean we know around here. We know wow. Around. By the way, I think Blackpool just scored again. No. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they just scored. My my scoreboard hasn't updated yet. Oh, this is horrible. Um, okay. Wow. That's an incredible... I love this. I wish you were wearing it all show. Well, I had to rep the BMF belt earlier. Okay. Uh, that on the show. And then we got this uh, as well. Uh, no, I'm seeing 2-1 still. Okay. Maybe I was behind. Maybe I was behind. Okay. All right. We're, we're running out of time here, though. No, but I'm uh, just blown away by this jersey. By the, This I is an incredible jersey. What? Is it great or what? Yeah, I got a couple up my sleeve. Uh, I, I am curious as if you're going to get this. Let's get into the picks. Kind of dug deep here on the design. Do you know what this is in reference to? Of course. Come on, bro. This is uh, this is 1995 Toronto Raptors. Absolutely. Why, are you kidding? Absolutely. That's a great. That's a I've already great done the shot. red and white. I've already done all the maple leaves. I figured I'd get it custom uh, to Toronto. Let's let's start with the picks though. Uh, first one up, Malcolm Gordon. Jimmy Flick, I'm going to be taking the under one and a half because, well, flyweight unders are back, but not just because of that, because these are two uh, great contestants to get a flyweight under. Uh, Gordon, 11 of his last 13 under the one and a half. Flick, six of his last seven under the one and a half. And uh, on top of that, Flick, 14 straight fights have not gone to a decision. Uh, and lastly, uh, Malcolm Gordon finished six times Jim, jimmy flick finished seven times so they get finishes they get finished i think this is going to be an exciting fight for as long as it lasts flyweight unders back in 2024 uh this next one the line has moved a lot i took this back in november oh wow so i do apologize to to the people watching out there uh jillian robertson i'm taking her i think she's going to get this one to the mat i think she's going to fr- thrive when she gets it there uh and she will get her hand raised i'm going to call a uh a round two knockout. I'm going to say that instead of the, the typical submission, she's going to land some big elbows, some big shots, and get it done. Next up, Bracatona, the ultimate, ultimate fighter, ultimate fighter, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I do think he gets it done in Canada. Uh, I think he's got a lot of a lot of advantages in this fight, the biggest one being uh, wrestling and grappling. Um, we've, we've seen before uh, Armfield struggle getting taken down. He's been subbed in two of his losses. Uh, and I think Brad Katona just needs to make this a Brad Katona fight. Get the takedowns, lay on them, do some nice work on top, and get your hands raised. Next up, while I got a great line on Jillian Robertson, I did not get a great line on our man Arnold Almighty Allen. Played this one at the same time that I played Jillian Robertson. Took it at plus 145 if you want to get in. You can, yeah, I see some plus 180s out there. The line is moving heavy for Mosar Evluev. Uh, but I don't need an explanation for this one. Arnold Almighty Allen gets it done. Underdog. Keep betting on Mosar. Make, make him an even bigger underdog. Make him shock the world even more. Uh, Almighty gets his hand raised. Main event. You saw me do it in the parlay, pals. I took the fight. Does not go to a decision. Uh, I'm going to be taking the under four and a half. Don't have a side in this one. Thought about playing DDP, but... Uh, our man Eric Nixick said it earlier. Tough to doubt him at this point. 
Can't can't keep doubting him in a very, very close fight. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think it's going to be a car crash. I think it's going to be chaos. I think DDP is going to have a DDP fight. 22 fights in his career, 21 have not gone to a decision. And he has been in some five-rounders. He fought for some belts, fought for some titles at KSW. Did ne- never seen a fourth round uh, in his entire career. Uh, and I think he's going to push the pace. And, you know, I actually side with Nixick as well here. I think until proven otherwise, like, I think he's going to have the cardio. I think he looks like he's very tired. I think he's going to have the cardio the last f- all five rounds. But if he doesn't, could be live for a Strickland finish down the stretch. Uh, but DDP, kind of like the middleweight Charles Oliveira, chaotic fights, almost exclusively gets finishes. Uh, so under four and a half, main event. Cannot wait for that one. Going to be very exciting. Uh, a prop parlay, back to our flyweight, but under two and a half. Linus Patterson under two and a half in Pennington. MBS over one and a half. Juliana Pena inspired. Uh, and then Niagara top team parlay. Jasmine Jazdavicius and Mike Malott. Jazdavicius. Yeah. And then a Canadian favorite. Yeah. Parlay. Wait, Eight legs on this one. Why not 10? No, 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 no. I'm just doing the favorites. Just doing the Why? Uh, you know. What if they go 10 and 0? You're going to regret this. We're still counting Arnold Allen as a hell as yeah. An if we if we counted Diana, I will regret time. it. I will regret it. Arnold Allen. It, Chances are, it's, you know, it's probably not going to hit anyway. So he's dating a Montrealer. He trains oh. at a TriStar. All right, honorary Canadian. Honorary. He's one of us. He's one of our own. Arnold Allen. He's one of our own. Yeah. Isn't it ten, by the way, or is it? Is it nine it, with Allen? It's no, it's ten. I'm leaving out MAB and Allen. Wait, who who oh Marc Andre, okay. Uh fair enough. Is he the only dog? Yeah, Marc Andre Burial and uh, Arnold Allen. Are the only it's dogs the of all the Canucks. Dogs. I love it. Honestly, the with the Canadian flag next to their name, it's it's just Marc Andre. Yeah, it's not cool. He's one of our own. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. What is that? What what is the uh what are the odds for that? That's plus two thousand five hundred thirty four. Uh, I love it. I love it. Okay. It's gonna be great. Is that it? That's it. Tim Horton's coffee on Saturday morning. And- oh you know oh, yourself. Go. You got a lot uh, planned for the uh the watch party? Uh I do. I have a lot planned for Saturday period. It's gonna be a good day. Very Canadian centric. This is such a look. Wow, yeah. I can't believe you didn't start the show. Why? Why weren't you wearing this the whole time? I had to this, rep the BMF, man. This like, is a, the, we've you now phased way, into the. You have a Wayne Gretzky preview. Canada Cup circa nineteen eighty seven jersey just chilling, and you chose to wear the BMF. Why you didn't yeah. rock into work looking like that is the is is a bigger mystery than the Lukaku jersey of twenty twenty two. This is how I rock out now. This is how I, I leave work with this. I get uh, all the compliments. Everyone's going to be like, oh, my God. Like, is this in reference to UFC 297 being in Toronto this weekend? I'm going to be like, you know yourself. Yes. You know yourself. Or maybe it's because of uh, Pascal Siakam getting traded. I don't know. No, probably oh, not. I feel like I'd be sad if, if that was the case. Yeah, just, you know, showing love. Um, all right, we're still up 2-1. Do we want, by the way, yeah, to win? Sure. We do. Okay. For sure, come on, man. Especially with all the... Uh, the FFP stuff going on, you know, financial fair play. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I feel like Rick uh, contributed a lot to this segment. Just that one cutaway there. <laughs> Do we have a pick for the Hi, main guys. event? Do we have a pick? Do we have an actual pick, or are we just uh, going? Hey. DDP. 
DDP. I think I'm going to say DDP as well, but won't be shocked if I'm wrong. Will not be shocked. Yeah. What about Comain? Myra. I'm going Pennington. Really? I'm go Pennington. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. She's super tough. She's hard to finish. Hasn't been subbed in like 12 years. And I think if Myra Buena doesn't get the submission, I think this one goes five rounds, and I would not be shocked if if Pennington sneaks out three of them. I don't hate that. She's been here before. She's had you know many pay-per-view fights. This is all kind of new yeah. for Myra. Lots uh, of wood, as, as Pena would say. I have nothing. Like I have no thoughts on the main event. Meaning, there's nothing that I feel good about. This could go. Oh, to oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're asking for a pick. Like my confidence is. No. Yeah, yeah. I just. I really think it's going to be a very exciting fight. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will be good. I, I do. I really do think, and I think the Toronto crowd is going to be hot, and uh, it's going to be a grand old time. And we'll be back here on Monday to recap it all, gents. Can't wait. God bless. Here's Safe to travels. you. Thank you, sir. Um, we'll, we'll save a cookie or two for you. You have to have it between 12 and 8, though, okay? Nothing before, nothing after. Thanks for keeping me honest. Got to respect the rules. That's right. All right, Frankie, time to go. I feel like we just got here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know yourself. You know what? This is for everyone who says we go to, oh, it's too hard to digest. Oh, four hours. Make it short. You know what? Man, we forgot the Rick G song. We got to play it on Monday. Oh, yeah. We got to play it. Can you play it? Can you play it now? Shout out to Rick G. I tweeted it on. Uh... Yes. Oh, yes. The new remix is out. Top in the charts 2024. Oh, yeah. Know yourself, Rick G. Yo, I mean, we didn't think you could top the last one. Oh, my. Oh, look at it go right out. Hands up in the air. Wow. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, shout out to Rick G. He, uh, he tweeted this earlier. I retweeted it. You can catch the whole thing wherever you get your songs. Was the music still playing the whole time? Or did you fade in, fade out? Wow. <laughs> You're pretty good. That's audio work. You're pretty That's good. audio work. You're the best. You know what? If you leave, I riot too. Okay? I don't. It, it, I can't live in a world without Frank behind those ones and twos. Do you forget that. Do you call it ones and twos? I call it the ones and twos. Yeah. It's a drummer thing. Right. Uh, thank you very much to all our guests today. Great show. Enjoyed it very much. Juliana Pena, Don Davis, Eric Nixick, Rose Namajunas, and of course, Jim freaking Miller himself. Thanks to them. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Thanks to all of you. Great stuff, as always. Back on Monday, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.